Did you know that 85% of your engine wear occurs at startup? Yes, that is correct. And this is where Lower the Friction comes in by putting a protective, lubricating barrier on all moving parts. This now gives you full-time protection to make your engine last longer, run smoother, give you better performance, and improve fuel economy. People across the country are reporting some very exciting results. Go to LowerTheFriction.com, place your order, and enter in promo code SOS to get 5% off of your order. That's LowerTheFriction.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. This is the weekly Secrets of Saturn live stream. Uh, other than the little extra we did yesterday to premiere I'm the Slime. I hope you guys enjoyed that for those who tuned in that my friend Brett Dietz and I did. But anyway... This is our regular weekly stream, and on this episode, we are going to be breaking down the white paper called Apocalyptic AI, Religion and the Promise of Artificial Intelligence, by a Dr. Robert M. Gerasi, or Gerasi, not sure how you pronounce his name, and uh, this is more of this crazy transhumanism crap that we always talk about, except again, with these white papers, they're always very blunt about everything. But anyway... I will not pontificate too much. Uh, this week, of course, I've always got Wayne with me, but we also brought on uh, Russian Vids and the Great Baldini, and we're going to take turns bashing out this transhumanism insanity. So welcome, gentlemen. Good Thank evening, you, Jason. <laughs> you couldn't do that again Everybody if you tried. Everybody talk at once. All at once. <laughs> <laughs> that was <Quadrophenia>. great. <laughs> We're all excited to be on. That's why we all, you know, got all, got all excited and said at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So anyway, um, I'll lead us off here with this white paper. I'll read the first paragraph and get us started here. But uh, before I do that, I just want to give a little background. I don't know if you uh, took a moment to look up who this cat was, but apparently he's a he's a religious kind of guy. He let me let me not butcher this. He is. Robert Grassi. Grassic Park. Yeah, exactly. I'm Texan, well, the, the, but living, teaching, and writing in New York City. I'm pretty sure that everyone loves robots, which is why I've written a book about them. People love games too, so I wrote another book. I'm also interested in the soaring cathedrals of our religious imagination. Likewise, the dark tunnels of mining and rapid transit. I visit mountains, deserts, temples, laboratories, factories, virtual realities, the places where magic enters the world. Thanks to a Fulbright, Fulbright Nehru Research Award, I spent five months at the Indian Institute of Science in Bangalore, where I interviewed dozens of scientists in academia, industry, and hacker culture. It offers new insights into contemporary India and into methodology in the study of religion, science, and technology. Uh, let's see. In 2018-19, I was back on sabbatical and back in India, once again under the auspices of a Fulbright Nehru Award. I was affiliated with the National Institute of Advanced Studies, and I conducted research for a new project investigating the contemporary culture of traditional handcrafts. Overall, my interest is in how we use technology to enchant and give meaning to the world. To study this, I use ethnographic fieldwork, methods from science and technology studies, especially actor network theory, literature and science fiction studies, and the hodgepodge of methods that all of us in religion and science studies put to use. Within the study of religion and science, I am a fellow of the International Society for Science and Religion. So this guy is an interesting fellow, to say the least. He, he's one of the social engineers, let's put it that way. 
Yeah, and I, it's find it interesting that the um, the white paper was published in the Journal of American Academy of Religion. So it definitely is uh, from a quote uh, religious or seminarian viewpoint. Oh, and by the way, he is the professor in the Department of Religious Studies at Manhattan College. That is his normal uh, position. So that's that. So at least we know where we're coming from when we start talking about this. By the way, is the audio good for everybody? Chat room, if you want to let me know, thank you so much. Hello to everybody there. Looks like we've got almost 200 folks already. Let's see how D Live is piling up. Only 41. Where are all the bears? Will more show up if I say Owen Benjamin's going to be here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, promise right. punch and pie. Uh, thanks don uh, formerly hip says audio is good um so awesome. you know it's interesting um before you even i mean because when you get into the very first um <clears throat> the, the very first paragraph uh, of this white paper uh, the interesting uh, thing is how he points out that one of you know he begins by saying one of mankind's most cherished dreams religious scientific and artistic circles has been creation of humanoid life and, it, and it's very interesting he, he includes religious there when um, one of the one of the very old uh, traditions is that one of the reasons um, the the enemy of, of mankind from a spiritual point of view if you want to say the shatan or satan or the devil or whoever um, was the accuser. Uh, irritated and and jealous of man is that he did not have the ability to himself create uh, and that was given uh, to man uh, that we were uh, had the ability to create life and so it has always been within that circle uh, to try to create an artificial life form and then they, I mean they nail it right from the very beginning and go yeah, we've always wanted that I thought well that's very very interesting uh, that they should start there right all right let me do the intro paragraph here and then we can start all kicking this around the can uh, popular science publications in robotics and artificial intelligence reveal a striking merger between apocalyptic religious thought and scientific research. Three major elements characterize early Jewish and Christian apocalypticism. Alienation within the world, desire for the establishment of a heavenly new world, and the transformation of human beings so that they may live in that world in purified bodies. In apocalyptic AI, these characteristics are attributed scientific authority. Or is that authority? Apocalyptic AI advocates, frustrated by the limitations of bodily life, look forward to a virtual world inhabited by intelligent machines and human beings who have left their bodies. Having downloaded their consciousness consciousnesses into machines, human beings will possess enhanced mental abilities and, through their infinite replicability, immortality. All right, that so that opening paragraph has so much in it, but uh, go ahead, whoever wants to take it first. <laughs> if you guys don't there mind, I'll the Pandora's box right there. Go <laughs> ahead. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, this is something that I've extensively covered in the past. I haven't touched upon it uh, recently, but years ago, um, you know, we all, of course, understand that Hollywood um, is a huge part of social programming going back um, not only here in the U.S., but, of course, Germany. Um, you know, a lot of these people, you know, the propaganda machine talk about they love uh, Disney. They love movies because it's literally the best form uh, of programming. People have their uh, subconscious uh, being programmed when they're, you know, sitting in a dark theater. They don't. You know, they watch the news, you know, they, they read the paper, they might have their guard up. But when you watch a movie, again, you have your guard. And a lot of things are into your subconscious. And that gets, you know, you look at the list of movies throughout 
a history going back to Metropolis, and this is a German-made movie, um, and there's so much occult uh, in plain sight, upside down pentagrams, uh, the robotic female, which later on, um, if you look at the um, the prototype drawings for Star Wars and Ralph McQuarrie, you'll mm-hmm. see the similarities there. There's mm-hmm. a ton of similarities with that, but there's so much occult symbolism. Again, um, the one female, she does the one-eye symbolism. Um, if anybody just Googles Metropolis uh, movie 1927, you'll see what exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but again, you know, you go through history. Of course, you have a Space Odyssey 2001 and the occult aspect of it being released in 1968. Um, it's a movie called 2001. That's a 33-year difference. So these are Masonic coded uh, throughout. And of course, how um, ex- the, you know, very, you know, so, so-called intelligent, uh, you know, uh, th- these, these uh, creations by humans that are more human than human or more intelligent than humans. Um, so there's a lot of that. Uh, of course, Star Wars, like I mentioned, uh, R2-D2, C-3PO, and you know they're always confining to, uh, to C-3PO for the information. Movies like Blade Runner, where you have the replicants, and uh, they're like superior. You know, This is the whole thing is uh, they're trying to outdo the creator, trying to make something superior to, to humans. So the list goes on and on, You know, of course, with Star Trek, uh, and data, you know, this very RV, did you see the sequel, the Blade Runner sequel? Yeah, I, I actually, not the whole thing, but I've seen a good good part of it. And there's some Flat Earth, um, there's some Flat Earth references in there with the firmament that was mentioned. I showed that in videos, but I caught uh, the major uh, parts of it. I'm, I'm really bad because I'm always, like, uh, doing stuff online. I'm, like, peeking over at a movie I have playing. I'm not fully paying attention, but when something catches my ear, I kind of, like, whoa, what did they just say, you know? So Well, something did. That's why it. I brought it up. In that in the yeah, sequel. Yeah, the thing is, though, you know, the thing about me is I rarely have my TV on. What I, what I do have my TV on is to play older movies because I know there's so much, again, social programming in there. I really like to, uh, you know, pinpoint things and, and look for predictive programming and a lot of hints. And I see it all over the place. So, yeah, it's so very important. But, again, getting back to this whole concept, um, it's it's everywhere. I Robot, uh, of course, the Superman movies, Tron, um, Daryl. I don't know if you guys seen that movie Daryl from 1985. I remember that one with that young child who's made in a lab, and I mean everything he does from baseball to playing video games, he's superior. Um, you know, RoboCop. I mean, the list goes on and on and on with all these movies. Of course, Total Recall. I mean, I keep going on forever. Basically, that's what you know Hollywood is. Nothing more than programming. And this is one agenda they're they're really pushing. What I want to tell you, RV, is in the uh, sequel, the Jared Leto character, who was blind, by the way, calls the new replicants since he started up that program again. He called them his angels. Wow! Okay. Thought you'd like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Is like I said, I, I gotta, I gotta really sit down and watch it. Which you know, I, I, you know, someone. I'm so busy all the time. I, I, back in the old days, back in the 80s, I used to actually sit down and watch a movie uninterrupted. Now I'm like, like I said, I'm online, I'm kind of peeking over type of thing. And I definitely got to sit down and, and actually watch this because, you know, when the firmament was mentioned and all that, I played that in clips. Um, I definitely got to pay closer attention. That's that's a big one right there with the angels and all that, with the uh, the replicants. There's a little the thing is, prologue they did 
that's only like five minutes long. You can watch that for uh-huh. free on YouTube. Just check that out, and you'll get you'll get a lot of it right there without even have to watch the whole freaking three and a half hour movie, whatever it is. Yeah, the thing is with me is, you know, like I said, I mean, uh, when it comes to movies, being so busy, and you know, a lot of the remakes they're always garbage. They're always the rehashes are garbage. But this one looks actually decent. I just got to spend the time to actually uh, to analyze it and break it down. And uh, and actually, that's something I need to do. I, I need to look at a. Um, a lot of these uh, more recent movies, and with my channel, actually, I have a tremendous uh, help from a lot of my followers. Um, they're always cluing me in on, hey, you know, uh, you got to check the scene out from this movie, and then, you know, of course, I'll look it up and I'll I'll look further. So a lot of people do that research for me as far as finding little Easter eggs. Um, I find a lot myself going back uh, to the '80s, uh, recalling a lot of movies, but movies, you know, during this era. Um, I'm just not going to theater. I'm not going to be spending money to, to, for these uh, uh, garbage movies that I know that are programming. But again, we we need to uh, hone in on this because there's definitely predictive programming in movies uh, for sure. So this is an important aspect um, that I should, uh, of course, be um, thanks to people helping me out. Like I said, I don't have to do watch all these movies day in and day out, but this definitely helps that I'm having people point things out. And thanks to you, Jason, for pointing that out to me too. Uh, I'm definitely going to take a closer look at the new Blade Runner. Anybody else got anything about the uh, opening salvo here? You want me to go to the next paragraph? Well, just um, it, you know, just to, to touch on that, you know, it, as Arby always says, truth in the movies lies in the news, right? Uh, yeah. But it, it's it's not just um, uh, that. I mean, uh, you know, I I don't haven't been you know much of a gamer for for a number of years because you know you get older and kind of busy and you don't get, you can't sit around and do it. Uh, but I have seen uh, a ton of clips. Uh, some of them show up on YouTube that AI is a major component as a theme element in many of these uh, story you know storyline in many video games. Uh, and some of them seem to like the clips I've seen. They spell it right out uh, how uh, AI, you know, t- takes over and um, pretends to be, um, you know, uninterested or or certainly objective. Uh, so so they're given sort of the top spot. They made AI uh, kind of like the the arbiter or the uh, uh, the ruler over humanity. So there would be fairness, and uh, you know, of course, they're only as good as who programmed them. And so uh, somebody basically they're evil. Uh, it, it's a, it's a fa- I mean some of these storylines are really uh, complex uh, and they just send spell it right out right so if you do um, just kind of if you want to poke around and, and uh, as I say consult the Oracle or you know just do a quick search uh, for artificial intelligence as characters in video games uh, you'll find uh, an, an enormous list it's it's a very extensive list uh, of AI as a, a crucial element within video games and they're spelling it right out I mean uh, many video games also again talk about uh, you know secret societies and assassins and all this stuff they they put all like again truth in plain sight uh and they're uh programming a younger generation so uh, stuff uh, that guys our age probably wouldn't catch right we might see movies or we might see predictive programming in the news uh but uh, we would be ignorant of the stuff in video games if somebody didn't point our attention to it so uh, again kudos to the some of the younger folks who have um, taken clips of this and pointed these things out as well you can find again a number of these things on youtube Wayne, so right, just a whole, a whole other category weird. of it yeah, there's always this weird crossover in video games in particular between AI and quote-unquote aliens and also like angels and demons and things like that. There's always seems to be this weird crossover in a lot of these uh, video games. And Assassin's Creed is a perfect example of that. The very first Assassin's Creed game, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting because this depicts actually it's a, a guy in the present 
who goes to this company, this corporation, who has this machine that they put him in, and he could actually project his consciousness backwards into time, and they're looking through time through his uh, genetic memories and stuff like that from his family lineage. It's really very telling when you take a look at this video game. We could probably actually do a whole show on that. It's been years and years years since I've played it, though. And that comports well to Operation Looking Glass and the uh, supposed right. technology involved involved with that sort of like an electronic scrying mirror, mirror if you will. So right. really interesting and this stuff there. This takes you back through historic, like actual historical events and stuff too. At, at you know certain points within there, and it shows you actually how the uh, as a guild and stuff actually worked, and as a secret society, some of the methodologies and stuff that they used. It was a really interesting game, but I mean, I played that I don't even know how many years ago, and even back then, uh, you know, before I was really heavily vested in researching a lot of this stuff at that point, um, I, I had known a little bit about it, but I noticed a lot of things in there that I had pulled out from, you know, that game. So, it, it, it really gives you an interesting... Uh, look at how these different motifs and stuff are put into the popular culture and how they're just showing them to us at this point uh, because yeah. that covers everything from secret societies to at the end one of the big twists is you know it's some kind of alien technology or something at the end I don't quite exactly remember but I played the whole game the whole way through to the to the completion so it talks about that and these different methodologies, these technologies, artificial intelligence, all these different things kind of cross over together. And they seem to do that a lot with a lot of these different games. Yeah, so that, it, it is a certainly popular be... platform for programming right now, sure. more so, I would say, than even the the movies or the television and stuff like that. But uh, Right, and it's, it's yeah, also it interactive. Always, always leads back to this AI theme. So that's, yeah, sure. that's an important thing to keep in mind. It's It's really... On the front of people's minds right now, AI is the popular yeah. topic, and it's the thing that's being really pushed heavily right now. Yeah, AI in, uh, in the business uh, model as well. But yeah, it's a, that would be worthy, I think, of its own, uh, certainly its own episode, at least just the uh, uh, the look at the predictive programming within video games, because it's an interactive uh, solution as well. So again, it uh, it engages the mind uh, and the emotions in a different way, uh, even than uh, narrative transportation in film, right? I mean, it's like it gets you <clears throat> part of the, you know, as a character in it. So um, definitely uh, a powerful means of programming there as well. So yeah, something we should take a look at in the future. Let's... Uh, I guess keep going. What do you think Dig Dug means? <laughs> Dude. Man, I dug it when I was digging it, you know. Dude, I was so you know what? Oh, oh, guys, don't deep. Yeah, I don't mean to interject. Sorry about that, guys. I, I'm bad with that, but you know, me being a big video game guy, um, taking a look at the occult side, you just mentioning Dig Dug of video games, uh, just take a look at the release date for the Atari twenty six hundred you know, September 11th, 1977. And the first batch of games, there's a, so much programming, uh, Space Invaders, mm-hmm. of course, with the whole alien aspect, Asteroids. Yep. And we know about um, a Carol Rosen, Carol Rosen, the uh, the sidekick for Werner Von Braun, talking about uh, what Werner Von Braun said is going to take place in the future with the so-called terrorism, um, Asteroids, and then an alien invasion. So these are setting up uh, you know, you know this, again, the subconscious, and uh, you know, you look at you know beyond that. Just look at the occultic side of of every single video game system. Uh, the Sega Genesis, um, Sega's not even a word; it's just ages backwards. So 
It's literally the ages of Genesis or ages of the uh, of the beginning. Um, and you have prior to that, you have the Sega Master System. Um, these are like you know very occultic uh, type of um, you know being put out there type of uh, concepts. And you have like the GameCube, of course, more recently, uh, the Xbox with Microsoft, Bill Gates. Mm -hmm. So what I'm getting at is they're controlling all aspects. We're talking about artificial intelligence. We're talking about movies, but there's a huge side of it with um, with programming, uh, like a game like Berserk, where you're this humanoid, and all these uh, you know androids, uh, uh, you know, artificial intelligence are coming to get you type of thing. Mm -hmm. So they yep. always have that aspect of of robots, um, you know, being superior type things, and the poor human being just trying to survive in a lot of these video games. So, you know, there's so much more to it, but that's just, uh, you know, just a, a glimpse of a lot of things I've covered as far as video games. There's so much more. I can go on and on. I <laughs> know oh, that's a great topic, games. actually, and I would love to do it. I'll tell you what, RV, people don't – I was making the joke uh, about Dig Dug because it was the goofiest one that popped in my head. Uh, the next one would yeah. be y Yars Revenge, but – the seriousness is the programming does go back decades. We we all know this. And that would probably be a cool topic because people probably overlook it. They're thinking more in the past 10, 15 years when the game started getting more realistic and, and all the 3D and all that stuff. But, but seriously, there's got to be programming back then. It wasn't like there weren't bad guys doing bad things in the 1970s, you know? So, yeah, that'd be a really cool uh, topic to get to. Yeah, just a couple more things. For example, just the logo itself with Atari is a trident, you know? People are like... They have no idea what they're actually looking at. And, of course, one thing I should mention with Secrets of Saturn is the Sega Saturn. And, of course, it's like um, it's, the, it's a black box. Um, and, again, uh, Sega is ages black in reverse. Black Cube, wasn't it, dude? Yeah, Black Cube. And uh, and so, basically, it's the ages of, of Saturn, you know, Sega. It's all, everything's coded, hidden. I don't want to, uh, you know, go in too far uh, with the video games, but definitely something to, to really go in depth. Um, in the future, um, you can go on and on about games like Castlevania and uh, Ghouls and Ghosts, Ghosts and Goblins, and all these type of themes. Um, just so much going back to Japan. And again, I'm really a video game guy, so um, going back to names being changed uh, from like the original uh, name in Japan and how it's translated. It's more of a softer version when it's released in the U.S. And Japan is much more hardcore, and they don't mind like put, I'll just say it like. Uh, you know, uh, ghosts and goblins in Japan is literally uh, demon's world. You know, it's <laughs> too kind of hardcore for the U.S. audience, so they kind of soften it up. Things like that. We'll get into that more later on in, in the future, but it definitely something that very interests me. Um, and again, knowing all aspects of society are controlled. Uh, it's not just the movies. It's not just the politicians. It goes obviously much deeper. All right, I'm going to oh, jump yeah, on to the second uh, second paragraph here, if that's cool. One of mankind's most cherished dreams in religious, scientific, and artistic circles has been the creation of humanoid life. The Pygmalion myth in ancient Greece and the Gollum myth in medieval Judaism, for example, reflect this drive within artistic and religious spheres, respectively. In science, a long tradition of automatons includes ancient Greek water mechanisms, 17th century Japanese tea-serving dolls, and 18th century European automata, such as Valkansen's wing-flapping, eating, and defecating duck, or Jacques Droz's piano player. Contemporary robotic technology oh. continues this trend. Often, the creation of... What about of the Turkish uh, chess player? 
Yeah, I remember that one. That was 1800s, I think, right? Yeah, Often, the creation of intelligent life is simultaneously religious, scientific, and artistic. Neat divisions among these categories cannot be easily drawn even today, when robotics and artificial intelligence hold the most promise for realizing this long-standing dream. The long-standing dream of creating a defecating duck. <laughs> <laughs> I got this is my pooping mallard. Do you like it? It is my life's work. Yes, this is my, my robotic pooping mallard. <laughs> His name's Eddie. Do you like him? <laughs> yeah, sorry, I can't get past that. Ah, it's good to have a little humor. This is like, this, this transhumanism day. shit gets really heavy sometimes. <laughs> oh, it sure does. What about yeah. that song as well? Um, what was it? Nine Inch Nails, More Human Than Human? Mm. Yeah, that... More Human Than Human. That's, um, like, that's not Nine yeah, Inch Nails. Yeah. That is um, White zombie. zombie. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, yeah, but still. As far as the music side of – not an expert on the music side, but that's, that's a lyric that kind of popped in my head. Um, you know, again, kind of subconscious uh, type programming. Well, uh, the point is still the same though, you know? Yes, Absolutely, it's like I said, it's everywhere. Definitely. I'm a little bit too loud, so I'm gonna back off my mic. Apparently, let me let me move off here slightly. I love this new boom I got. It's actually a good one instead of that piece of crap I had before, but it's actually <laughs> staying in place. <laughs> so so <laughs> I actually can be too loud us. now. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. By the way, if you need yeah, anything but... like this, this is the blue compass. My other one was like a cheap Chinese knockoff piece of junk, and it kept falling and, and rotating out of place. This thing, it stays exactly where you put it. It's freaking fantastic. But anyway, anyone got any comments on that, or do you want me to continue? Nah, just keep going. In the late, I mean, it gets so heavy in a minute that it's like <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right. In the late 20th century and early 21st century, a number of influential roboticists and AI pioneers wrote popular science books revealing the close connections between religion and science in contemporary life. Major figures in this movement include roboticist Hans Moravec, AI inventor Ray Kurzweil, neuronet builder Hugo de Garris, and UK roboticist Kevin Warwick. The two most important figures in this group, which I call apocalyptic AI, are Hans Moravec and Ray Kurzweil. I think everybody by now knows that Ray Kurzweil is like one of the most outspoken, front and center kind of characters in this whole technology transhumanism push. Both have been widely regard, uh, recognized for their scientific contributions in addition to their influence on pop science. Moravec a living legend and the founder of Apocalyptic AI, made seminal contributions to robot vision and navigation. He helped design the Stanford CART, the first computer-controlled autonomous vehicle, and before becoming chief scientist at Seagrid Corporation, Moravec was research scientist at Carnegie Mellon University's famed Robotic Institute, where he founded the Mobile Robotics Lab. Kurzweil, the movement's chief evangelist, is well known for his inventions in optical character recognition, speech recognition, and other AI fields. He has been awarded the $500,000 Lemelson MIT Prize, the, national, the 1999 National Medal of Technology, and is a member of the National Inventors Hall of Fame. Moravec and Kurzweil elegantly uh, conjure a fantastic paradise in which robotics, 
and AI improve humankind and the world. In doing so, these AI advocates lead a scientific movement that never strays far from the apocalyptic traditions of Western culture. My goodness, this guy is very wordy. Indeed. He's almost like wanking himself as he's uh, riding. He's worthy, think? Of ba- <laughs> he's worthy of Baldini right there. <laughs> yeah. Being extra worthy. <laughs> but but at least you know I try I would if I'm gonna expand on something I'm not gonna have to repeat it the same thing five or six times he's gotten through six paragraphs of this guy I just picture him go, sitting at a typewriter at a, at a keyboard going ah oh, Ray Kurzweil ah oh, ah oh. sorry sorry carry yeah, on. Per- carry on pretty much yeah I do find it interesting his choice um, that he keeps repeating apocalyptic AI yeah um, it's a, it's an interesting choice of of words. It is, and we'll see later on down in the document uh, where when they're speaking of apocalyptic AI, when he's using the term apocalyptic, they're looking at it through a more positive lens than, say, a negative lens, which would normally be associated with the word. Because when you think of apocalypse, you're thinking of the ending. Well, they're looking at it as a beginning, and uh, they see the whole transhumanist singularity as the means of fulfilling these religious prophecies and such. And they see this as being our next transcendent state. Uh, so they view, actually, you know, the incorporation of the human consciousness into machines as the same allegorical sense of us existing uh, in the New Jerusalem. And they actually mention the New Jerusalem later on down in the document. So this is kind of uh, the thing they're looking at. So they they see this as the fulfillment of the resurrection promised in the Bible. So that's what, you know, the terms and stuff that they're coming at it from. So when you realize that these guys that are are really pushing the transhumanism hardcore here, like the Kurzweils and the Moraveks of the world, they're bought into this, like, completely. And uh, they have no qualms with lining up with biblical prophecy or anything like that with it because they see it as the ultimate fulfillment of that. So, you know, they, they have no no qualms with uh, actually pushing this stuff or, or, you know, trying to get arrive at these, these ends, to, you know, with the means that they're using. So they, they have no, uh, what, what should I say, reservations about doing this. And that's their whole gist with it. So they, they see it as an overwhelmingly positive thing. And they really uh, firmly believe that they're doing good by mankind by doing this. That this is you know, what I, was actually programmed into us from God to do. I find it really interesting, though, that <clears throat> how, how many of these guys, um, they, they take a position. Uh, uh, they think they're doing the world good by advancing uh, evil enough so that the cup is full to, to make it happen quicker, right? And uh, even though, um, you know, Jesus specifically said, uh, we know these things will come, but woe unto him through whom it comes. Um, so so I, it's interesting how many take that approach that they absolutely believe it, uh, and they're, um, <laughs> they're, they're willing to fill the cup to make it happen more quickly. I, I find that uh, a fascinating view. Right. And the thing is, they think that they know better than, you know, the, the whole of humanity, like the rest of humanity. They think they're more educated and more worthy to make these decisions for all of humankind. And uh, that's that I take exception to. So. Yeah. 
Although, again, uh, it's, again, going to the, I mean, it's it's intentional meaning, which is revelation, right? So, like, as a revealing, uh, ra- rather than, you know, we think of it as an ending because, you know, revelation, the book does spell an ending to think, but, you know, to reveal is simply to open something up and uh, to reveal something. And apocalypse means the same thing, the unveiling, uh, the revealing. So, uh, certainly they see it in uh, a different context. <clears throat> right. They see it in the context of this being the fulfillment of that, of what's mm-hmm. being revealed. So they right. see this as the, the positive step forward, as the quote-unquote next step in human evolution, uh, the merging of man with machine to become transhuman or or human plus. And that's what they're looking at. They, they really firmly believe that uh, by doing this, we can become God. And uh, I, I think there's going to be ramifications for that because in my heart, I, I know that this is a lie because uh, only the creator can make something equal to what he's already created i mean no no creation could actually create something greater than their creator and we're all created beings and therefore anything we create cannot by definition be greater than we are let alone be greater than god but they believe that uh through using these technologies they could create something that is a sort of god that is greater than us and greater than our creator and uh, I, it just defies logic to think in those terms, but they're so bought into it and think it's such a feasible thing that, you know, they're, they're going for it. They, they equate computing speed and, and things like that uh, to intelligence, and it, it's not a one-to-one because we still really don't have any idea how consciousness even really operates. So if you come at it from that perspective, if you don't fully understand how consciousness even operates, how could you create a consciousness? Yeah, it's I don't, I don't not think possible. You can. I don't think you can, but I think that there's um, the in part the reason that they're programming or making people believe that it's possible. Um, to me, it's going to be a deception. They're going to um, it will appear to be uh, general artificial AI and a sentient uh, machine. Uh, I think it will be probably something entirely different. Um, to me, because everything they do is a deception, right? Uh, but um, I often view the actions of those who are, you know, near the capstone. And keep in mind that the capstone of the pyramid is separate, right? So that seems to be a different thing. Um, but uh, I think that, uh, from my perspective, when I see those guys, uh, they, I, I see many of them seem to be true believers, but um, they they themselves are deceived. In so far as I can tell, they're they're buying into a lie. They think they're going to get something out of it that they won't necessarily you know if you make a deal with the devil right you you always get the short end of that stick exactly. uh, so um, it does seem uh, from my perspective i think that uh, many of them are true believers in what they're doing but they are themselves deceived uh, and they'll be uh, i think um, unpleasantly surprised uh, at what happens but many of them i think uh, believe that something can occur um, but they're they, they are themselves deceived but i think that uh, ultimately uh, the promise of a sentient artificial intelligence. Um, I don't. Yeah, again, it can, I don't think it can be done. Uh, simply transistor switches. I don't care how fast you do them, uh, is not human intelligence, right? And and what right. we see, what we talked about last time, for example, with uh, panpsychism, is that everything in creation seems to have a kind of sentience. Even even water, right? Even rocks uh, uh, seem to have a kind of intelligence about them. Uh, so. I think that, again, anything that we try to make uh, is going to be um, c- certainly inferior uh, to what the original creation was. And we've talked about this over and over, um, that when the controllers can't be God of the real creation, uh, they they make their own false virtual creation in order to be God over it and then um, attempt to get people to consent to join in that uh, false reality. 
Right. Yeah, one thing I want to mention is, uh, of course, I mean, we're talking about AI, but they're trying to outdo God in every way, making a better Apple, you know, always, um, you know, trying to outdo God in uh, man-made medicine where, you know, uh, natural medicines are mocked and what man creates is better type of thing. And, uh, you know, of course, removing the creator makes them gods in their eyes and everything they're doing, every, every little aspect, like I said earlier, it's, you know, it's part of their uh, control mechanism, controlling uh, the masses, and of course, like I said, outdoing God. Yeah, absolutely. All right. right. And you'll notice, though, they do put some some little nuggets of truth in a lot of these white papers and stuff. Uh, you'll notice they draw allegories to things like the golem. Uh, and when you look at the golem, what is this? Well, and it's, Pygmalion. It's yeah. a, right, and Pygmalion. These things are animated by some kind of a spirit, but, uh, you know, AI doesn't necessarily have a spirit. So that might be kind of a, a foretelling or, you know, a foreshadowing of, of things to come with this. Is Will there be something else that uh, these artificial intelligent machines uh, will be housing? Who knows? I mean, we don't know the exact spiritual side of things that go along with this, but I That's see my that suspicion. as a very real possibility. Yeah, that's my yeah. suspicion. That's what I was kind of getting to in, a, in an oblique way is that uh, when I say it's a deception, it's it's possible that they could be building a platform that some uh, extra dimensional intelligence could occupy and uh, pretend to be uh, a sentient machine when it's something very different. Right. Something maybe sinister, perhaps, uh, you know, malevolent. We've yeah, had so. uh, yeah, we've we've had some serious scientists and stuff telling us this. Uh, Jordy Rose. Uh, the former COO of uh, D-Wave Incorporated has talked about this numerous times. People could look up YouTube videos of him saying that uh, they're going to be, you know, pretty much essentially what's going to happen when they start building a lot of these sentient artificial intelligences is it's kind of, uh, you know, comparable to perhaps summoning the great old ones of, uh, you know, the the whole concept that... Uh, um, exactly lovecraft put out like, yep. like things like that so and he also describes, he talks about these things openly and yeah, that's and, that's the thing and he's a serious scientist computer and jordy rose also he described uh when he was describing the d-way compu computer he's like yeah it's like this it's like an altar to an alien god and he was you <laughs> know in glowing terms uh, speaking of that, and uh, uh, I oh, actually have that video uh, posted on my YouTube channel, Alchemical Tech Revolution, at you YouTube. Go. If you uh, wanted to look at that and see, I, I have the video. It's him at uh, a conference called Idea City. I think it was back in 2013, uh, talking about the wonders of the D-Wave computer and how uh, being in its proximity is like standing at the altar of an alien god. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, the, he talks about how the pulse tube dilation refrigerator inside it, which keeps the uh, the processor uh, at close to absolute zero temperature so that the quantum processor could operate. He says this sounds like a heartbeat. <laughs> so, I mean, you can see this language. I'm serious. People no, I believe watch you. this video. I have it on my <laughs> YouTube channel. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, so these are the kinds of things that people that are working in this field are, are thinking of. And yet, despite the fact that, the, you know, they have these thoughts crossing their mind about this, they're still working at it. And it seems to be like they want something like that to come to fruition. And we all know intention is everything and intent is everything. So, uh, you know, when you're looking at these people who are working on these things are, are actually having these kind of thoughts about it. 
um, it could be a little scary to think about at times. So we need to be weary of this stuff. And, you know, I don't think mankind could create, per se, anything, like as far as, you know, an intelligent life form or something like that. I would say that the spirit animating it would come from somewhere else. Man has yeah. nothing to do with that. We, we cannot yeah. create a spirit. Yeah, I'll jump in here and I'll say, you know, this is something I've covered uh, years ago and um, a lot of truthers would, would attack me, uh, you know, say a decade ago saying how the so-called celebrity cloning is a hoax. This is all just, you know, nonsense. It's, you know, a lot of people get involved uh, with nonsense like uh, cloning. You know, I'm not saying uh, from birth. I'm talking about like, for example, Eminem. They just created a new Eminem in some <laughs> cloning factory. I'm like, I tell this to people, I said, look, the, the fantasy is always better than the reality. You're just pulling things out of thin air, and it sounds cool, sounds interesting, but people are running with it like it's fact, and they're saying, no, 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 you're wrong, RV. I know, we know they have cloning factories. Okay, where's your proof? You're telling me you, you know about these cloning factories? Where is it, Wisconsin, <laughs> Idaho? Tell me where it's at. Let's let's uh, dig deep in this stuff. So that's Basket one thing about me is I really, stick to, <laughs> I really stick to things we can prove. And, and getting back to the movie aspect, over the years people say, oh, you know, the movies they release now, oh, they really suck. Well, that's because it's always about programming first and the entertainment aspect. They don't give a damn about the uh, about the population, of course. They're gonna. It's always gonna be about programming, and they're gonna fit a uh, story around it to make it somewhat entertaining. One thing I found interesting. Maybe I'll send you this list, Jason, of movies based on artificial intelligence uh, throughout the years. Okay. Um, I find one interesting. It's called AI from two thousand one. <laughs> Artificial Intelligence 2001, but year after year mm -hmm. after year. And I'll put it maybe in the uh, the chat here, and uh, you could just take a peek at this and all these movies. And I'm really harping on this because, again, it's really uh, the most powerful weapon used against uh, the masses is uh, entertainment. It's really uh, needs to be spotlighted here. And I'll, I'll put that right now in the chat. And cool. RV, isn't that the one Thank that uh, Stanley Kubrick started and uh, Spielberg completed? That, yeah. that uh, one? AI. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the one that was released in 2001, you're talking about the artificial intelligence, the AI movie? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was actually produced by the, uh, Kathleen Kennedy, who is, of course, has a huge part in, in with uh, Lucasfilm. That Steven horrible Spielberg, woman. <laughs> uh, like you said. Yeah, Steven Spielberg directed it. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, Kubrick same, started it, right? Then, yeah, uh, supposedly. Stanley Kubrick started it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I got to look at it, actually. I've been looking at all the – yeah, you're right. It, exactly. It was uh, uh, directed by Stanley Kubrick right there. And uh, like I said, this is just, you know, what it comes down to, you know, all these uh, writers, directors, uh, producers in Hollywood, of course, uh, they're all Masons, and they know what they're doing is propaganda 100% without a shadow of a doubt. Absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, all the predictive programming, besides the programming, the predictive programming aspect, which has nothing to do with the topic we're talking about now, but another huge aspect of Hollywood. Sure. And another one that uh, many people don't uh, remember, they, they come up with the uh, iRobot and uh, AI, but one that many people forget is uh, Robin Williams in uh, Bicentennial Man. Mm, uh, yes. Another another very interesting look at the at the AI and robotics and uh, sort of the immortality uh, of artificial intelligence. So uh, again, there's a, there's a ton of them. Um, and just watched uh, saw a little clip of um, was it Aaliyah Battle Angel or whatever that is. Uh, Battle just kind of yeah. saw it. Yeah, I just saw a little bit of it scrolling through last night, and I was like, there, there they go again. Uh, they now really they're all obsessed again. with transhumanism. Like, everybody wants to be upgraded, and they, they do battle, and yep. uh, they're, they're really obsessed with getting the next 
apart for themselves and people are yeah, and, capturing and each other the, and stripping um, them apart. I mean, it's pretty twisted. And don't forget, I mean, even again, the Pixar movies, um, well, there's WALL-E, which is kind of more recent, uh, but uh, even going back, Robots was all about the upgrade. And again, uh, sort of a sinister plot, right, to, to make people, um, the, you know, the robots up. These themes are continually uh, put out there. And again, as RB keeps saying, truth in the movies, lies in the news. Yep. Yes, exactly. What about that? What about another one here we could use in a, as an example of the similar type of motif here? Pokemon. Think about oh, that Pika, for a second. Pika. It's all, yeah, it's all about upgrading and you know capturing and you know holding this thing prisoner and making it fight and upgrading it. Got to catch them that all. That kind of thing. And you got to catch them all. <laughs> and uh, they've even used this as you know as a platform to surveil people. I mean, remember Pokemon Go? You remember that whole thing a couple years God, ago? Yeah. Uh, tie, tying in the uh, augmented reality technologies together and, and making that a popular thing. Yeah, I heard and, through the grapevine. That's all grapevine. part and parcel of things to come. Yeah, Go I heard through the, through the grapevine that that, and there was another game that was kind of released similar about the same time where um, it was like a virtual sort of battle thing, but uh, people had to get in red or blue groups and meet up in places, and whoever had the most people there one, uh, but that was actually developed specifically by the intelligence community as a tool for um, for basically the electronic mints, and then uh, they hired people to turn it upside down and release it as a game. The fir- the the one with the red blue battle thing, uh, and then um, it was they co opted that same uh, technology to, to do in Pokemon uh, Go. But uh, that's what I kind of again. It's hard for me to confirm, but the sources are pretty solid. The people that I know that kind of work in that community, and that um, <clears throat> that, that was apparently from, from what they said, uh, where that that was a development of something that came from DARPA, having to do with um, tracking. Uh, using an electronic fence uh, and driving motion to see if they could uh, sort of like geocaching, right? The same similar idea, getting people to yeah. go to a specific place um, and uh, seeing like how long it takes to get there and all the, you know, how they can manipulate them as they go. And that that was a, an intelligence community thing and then re- repackaged uh, as a game uh, so that people would even willingly do it. And we certainly saw that explode with Pokemon Go when it was first released. Yeah, and I, I kind of wonder, uh, with all this uh, COVID stuff going on, are they putting extra Pokemon critters in people's houses just to <laughs> keep them home now? <laughs> it wouldn't yeah, surprise yeah, well, me. Well, one thing funny, I want to just jump in way off topic. You know, we want to stay away from the COVID thing, but one thing I have uh, really want to spotlight is, you know, China, of course, where this all started, and you, you have Vietnam right next door with nearly 100 million people. And guess how many deaths they have supposedly from COVID? I don't know. How many? None? <laughs> how about zero? Zero. Laos, zero. Um, uh, Cambodia, well, why zero. Aren't they, why aren't they playing the Mongolia, game? Mongolia, zero. I'm sorry? Why aren't they playing the game? This is this is the world domination yeah, game. Why I, aren't they playing? You know, it's like we have a one world system. Um, I guess it's not. they're not part of this agenda. Maybe they have something else going on. Maybe and, they're not uh, high enough up the pyramid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But, man, there's so many holes in this. And I hate to deviate from what we're talking about, but everything that's happening, you know, is is just, uh, you know, what I'm getting at is every every aspect that we're talking about is controlled. The AI, the, the COVID, and, uh, you know, every absolutely everything. George Floyd, everything is just – Every part of the script, yeah. Yeah, everything's part of the script, and people can't go – the People will believe anything, but they won't accept the truth. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. <laughs> and people want to sound 
rational, reasonable. Um, they're so heavily invested in this system that's created around them that they can't step out of it. It's like um, there's, you know, again, ego. You know, you know, they think they're so well read and they did their research from their so-called research, just regurgitating. And they're just so heavily invested. And, you know, they have this mockery. That's all they have when we talk about these type of things. And, oh, it's just a movie. You, you know, you guys are losing and that kind of thing. They don't understand programming around us. And, of course, um, these, these people that run this world are are like evil geniuses, psychopaths. And and uh, they have these people under complete mind control. Have you ever heard of the Tavistock right, for Human Relations? I'm sorry? Have most you ever heard of, them, of the Tavistock Institute for Human it. Relations? Like, you got something to look up, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just love it when the ones yell at me through their mask. Put your tinfoil hat back on. Yeah. How dare you say <laughs> that this isn't real? What's funny is the people wearing the mask, the ones who are in the mask, here's, here's the, uh, the mob mentality, um, is when you see a large group of people wearing masks together, they're going to, like, bully. Like, they see one person that stands out not wearing the mask. They're all going to gang up. But if it's like a 50-50 type of situation where half the people aren't wearing masks, it's just kind of like uh, almost like peaceful. But I, I've seen it where everybody's wearing masks and now they're going to be the, the bullies. Like, oh, you know, you, you know, I've seen people chased out of like a Trader Joe's store, <laughs> um, you know, on video because they're the only one uh, not wearing a mask. So this is the, uh, again, the, the, the herd sheep uh, mentality that's taken place. And I want, I, of course, I want no part of it. And I, and, I, and I said this, it's, it's great to be awake, but not in a world full of zombies, you know? That's, what, that's how I always put it when it comes to this world uh, we're living in. And it's great that we all come together, um, you know, Jason, on your platform and others as well, uh, are talking about these things and, and not mind-controlled, um, you know, and uh, so, many, of course, society. Uh, again, getting back to people whenever you have a discussion, it's, it's never um, a real conversation. It's just... Um, with the zombies, it's always insults, rolling of the eyes, and uh, uh, looking up at authority figures, uh, scientists, a guy with a lab coat, all this nonsense. And, uh, you know, just regurgitating what they say because they're smarter than me. Quote, this is what they're thinking. Well, you know, they're on TV. They, mu they must be uh, highly intelligent. I'm not on TV, so I'm going to just listen to them. You know, <laughs> and that's, right. that's, the, that's the extent of their research. Yeah, right. I saw something in the I saw something in the chat about uh, KKK, and that's what I, <laughs> I kind of termed it this week is the the KKK, the Karen cancel culture, um, because they <laughs> they want to yeah. get out and uh, cancel people, right? And uh, who do we get to cancel next? And uh, just you know, I was um, driving uh, last week. I had to I had to get um, just a you know cheap beater car. The other car had some issues, so I just bought a car um, and just really cheap. And I was driving it down to the Department of Licensing, uh, and some old I say old guys. It's clearly one of the lefty types in, in just the way he drove, and he's got the mask on, and he rolls down his window. He comes up next to me, uh, and he's yelling at me, and I'm like, "What is he saying? It sounds like he's saying your car's on fire. Like what?" And then I thought he said. Your your trunk's on fire, and I'm like, what the hell are you saying? So I roll down my window, and he's he's screaming at me, uh, and he says, your tabs are expired. I'm like, what the fuck you care? Like, I'm on my way to the licensing office. Like, didn't your mom ever tell you to stay the hell out of people? But <laughs> it's, it's like this they, way to the slaughterhouse. That, that Get in line. Yeah, it's like everybody thinks that they can be snitchy now, right? It's like they're they're, they're they love it, uh, and. and and it's like, what? What are you doing? Like, what? How? How is those tabs 
um, have anything to do with you as I'm on my way to the licensing office to transfer the title into my name. I'm like, what the hell is the matter? And so I just named it the KKK, the Karen Cancel Culture, um, because that's that's what everybody – it's like um, they're, they're doing good uh, by calling down people who don't go along with the herd. It's it's remarkable. Yeah, what do they need boots on the ground for when they get all the ding-dongs to do it themselves? Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. Any of those people that would uh, call somebody out on something like that, they're the same ones that back in, uh, you know, 1930s, 1940s Germany would be, she's up in the attic! She's up in the attic! Yeah. Yeah, I was at, uh, again, I, I hate to you know, be on the, uh, that COVID thing, but I was at Costco again today. And, uh, again, they've got these, you know, the big rules about it. <clears throat> and I, you know, I just walk up as happy as can be. And I'm like, Oh, I've got, a, I've got a medical exemption. And I'm like, okay. Uh, and some guy's like, do they allow that? And she's like, well, yeah, we have, you know, like we have a medical exemption. And he comes running over to me. He's like, how did you get that? <laughs> 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 he was all excited. He's like, how do I get one of those? <laughs> like, just tell him you have a medical exemption. You, First of all, let your brain start to work. You're allergic to hypoxia. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of funny. He, he, was, he wanted to know all about how to get a medical exemption. Yeah, I bet he did. <laughs> it's, just, it's just funny. Uh, yeah, I thought he was going to chase me down and go, "You get rid," but he he wanted to know all about how he could do it because he didn't want to wear a mask either. Um, so yeah, anyway, anyway, again, start started derail the conversation. I have uh, <clears throat> I have a reputation for that. I'm good at that too. <laughs> <laughs> We're part of the club, man. Uh, yeah, it's good to know I'm not alone, RV. And, and Wayne and I can uh, do we, it too. When you join oh, yeah, our uh, solo scriptura. Off. We do, we do go off on tangents quite a bit around here. Oh, if it's I didn't love you guys, I wouldn't have do. you on with me. I know. Yeah. Yeah, what were we talking about again? Well, we we make uh, Jason look like a you know a stoic philosopher. He just sits there and nods and and uh, yeah, that's, that's well. You know what? I'll say this. You know, there's so many things that inter- are interconnected. Some people might see it as we're going off uh, off course, but. Man, when you're covering the matrix, it's all intertwined. It is. And you, there's so much connections to be made. And, and again, people need to understand how it all works. They're controlling, of course, the politicians, Hollywood, the music industry, uh, the cartoons, the video games, like we said, the movie, everything. So, you know, if you're going to create a matrix, you have to control all aspect, aspects uh, of society. And that's simply what they, they, they obviously are doing and have done for, for many years. Hmm. All right, let's uh, take on the next part of this document. Early Jewish. Are you ready and... for? Uh... I'm sorry. No, I was just asking. If I was looking at the document, going, "Are you ready for God's kingdom come?" Yeah, right. <laughs> Early oh, Jewish and uh... Christian apocalyptic traditions share several basic characteristics, which also appear in the 20th century popular science books on robotics and artificial intelligence. Ancient Jews and Christians. Caught in alienating circumstances, eagerly anticipated God's intervention in history. After the end of history, God will create a new world and resurrect humanity in glorified new bodies to eternally enjoy that world. Apocalyptic AI advocates cannot rely upon divine forces to guarantee the kingdom, the coming kingdom, so they turn to evolution as a transcendent guarantee for the new world. Even without God, evolution guarantees the coming of the kingdom. 
Apocalyptic AI looks forward to a mechanical future in which human beings will upload their minds into machines and enjoy a virtual reality paradise in perfect virtual bodies. Despite the pervasiveness of religious and more specifically apocalyptic themes in this popular scientific literature, surprisingly little has been done to study this cultural phenomenon from a religious studies perspective. That is what this paper attempts to do, first by identifying some categories applicable to (laughs) and themes visible in Jewish and Christian apocalyptic religious thought, and then by seeing how much illumination can be brought to our understanding of apocalyptic AI by applying those categories and themes to it. Oh my god, this guy is jerking off to all the buzzwords he he could possibly squeeze in there. Yes, he is. And notice how he, I mean, he, this is, again, keep in mind that this is um, from a, uh, a state religious uh, institution. That's the publication. Uh, but we're going to get in there. This is Luciferian, Apoca- Apocalyptic though. AI advocates cannot rely on divine forces to guarantee the coming kingdom. So right. they, they turn to evolution. And even without God, evolution guarantees the coming of the kingdom. So we, we don't that really need is, him. Yeah, That's that the key is line. the height of hubris right there. That is the height of hubris right there. And a virtual is, reality paradise in perfect bodies. We're going to do it ourselves. Man. Yep. This yeah, is way beyond pay your surgeons very well. <laughs> so let's just be blunt here. Everything. I know I don't know if this is what this guy believes or if he's just commenting on it. But this is Luciferianism through and through. This is everything the Mystery Babylon religion spanks off to you know that that, this is their thing this is their thing and again it it is no surprise to me it may be to some people but it is no surprise to me uh that again this comes from uh, uh you know a religious institution and this is considered some of the um the highest um thinking within uh that uh, with, with the within the academic community within seminaries, many of them, uh, if you look at the many of the PhDs in seminary now, um, their position is uh, again that, that the Bible is entirely uh, metaphoric. Uh, that there's nothing really solid, no solid foundation there, uh, and you know that, that God is uh, is an archetype, and um, that that's in seminary. Uh, that they're um, they they it's Luciferian through and through. They they speak exactly the same words, and they'll look you right in the eyes as though um, it's truth, right? And hmm. again, the, the higher the education, the deeper the indoctrination. They just keep going, and uh, 100%. they double, yeah, they double yeah. down uh, at every at every level. No matter uh, what the evidence is, they just look you right in the eye. And they'll just keep going, right? So it's 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 pretty right. remarkable. You gotta you gotta be able to do the research yourself and just not defer um, your beliefs to someone who's got some letters, right? Or or wears <laughs> the white lab coats. Um, that's you're, you're guaranteed going to be led down the wrong path because, uh, from in my opinion, because everybody in those seats uh, in those positions are compromised, and their entire gig is to tell you, um, you know, what what that storyline is. Absolutely, yeah, it, it, and an yeah. important. It, an important takeaway from this too is this kind of a, a, a white paper right here, uh, looking at this from this religious perspective and coming from this uh, relating to something called ecumenicalism. And this is what this is about. This is about the uniting of all the different religious beliefs of the world into one religious system. And that religious system is going to be transhumanism. Mark my words. That's what this is all about. And this is what, uh, you know, what you want to call the New World Order or whatever they want to call themselves these days. Uh, 
that's that's what they're looking for. They want this one world religion, one world currency, et cetera, et cetera. I could talk about this ad infinitum. Like, you know, people have heard this for years and years now. Uh, like, here it is <laughs> in black and white on a, on a paper from a religious journal from, you know, one of the main social controllers uh, within the field. And this is exactly where it's going. And it's all Luciferian to the core. But this is get themselves into these positions of, of authority and, and stuff here. And they get themselves in these places where they have uh, this kind of uh, influence and they put out stuff like this. And they're really trying to steer the religious beliefs of Christianity and Judaism here towards this. And I'm sure if you go and, and look at uh, Islam, Islam as well, they could probably, you know, use these same arguments to kind of steer that in the same direction. And, you know, just about every other major religion in the world. So this is what they're trying to do. They're they're using this as a tool to bring about this ecumenicalism, which is the uniting of all religious traditions and uh, bringing them together under one common umbrella. And that's what it is, transhumanism. It's a religion, well, too. It's yeah, not so just a scientific movement. Yeah, and don't forget also, of course, even even the so-called atheist, you know, they're gonna they're not they're gonna be gone. There's not gonna be any um, atheist. They're gonna follow the beast too. They're gonna be following this beast system, and, and falling for it as well. So it's definitely gonna be this one world religion, and the atheists are gonna be wiped out. They're gonna become believers in uh, this whoever this leader is gonna be um, headed by the UN or. Whoever it's going to be coming out of, but yeah, it's going to be you know everything that's happening, of course, leading to that. It's it's just piece, yeah. parts of the puzzle, and a lot of things lately. I mean, over the years, I've been covering so many events, and it's so predictable. But what's obviously happening now, um, you know, with the, with the COVID, you know, we we've seen this before was with the fabrication of SARS, Ebola, going back to even N one H one, Zika, every, all these things, and they're predictably, you know, ended shortly. This one. Just uh, of course lingered on, and uh, you know one one thing I always say is expect the unexpected, you know, and that's the thing is people um, they had us kind of like sleeping like oh another fake another fake shooting another fake virus and uh, you know outbreak and then this one boom and and, and definitely they're ramping up a thing. So again, I, I always tell people you know people ask what do you think is gonna happen next? And I look man, <laughs> I don't I don't get I don't, it's like watching a movie I don't get to see the script. I, w I wish I saw the script. I could tell you, but <laughs> literally, they they're they're mapping things out. And here's a huge thing, and not to deviate from AI, but this is huge. When, when you realize, for example, uh, the groundbreaking for the uh, for the Pentagon, which was supposedly attacked in September 11, 2001, literally the groundbreaking was September 11, 1941. Sixty years to the day. So <laughs> I didn't know that ago, one. <laughs> yeah, six. Yeah, sixty years. Um, before it was supposedly attacked, of course it was just a uh, a psyop. But the the bottom line, this is how far they're planning out things. So it's moving forward. How far back have they planned this out? Uh, of course, the towers coming down 33 years after the groundbreaking with the North Tower, um, the the 9/11 calling system going into play the same year the the North Tower construction started. So all these things by the dates and and, and what I'm getting at is uh, what's going to happen in six months has already been written. It's already been written by by the people um, pulling the strings uh, from behind the scenes, and obviously leading the the populace in a direction. And they're just, you know, the people. You know, it's like, like this is why I, I cover what I cover over the years, so people realize, look, you're being hoaxed to death with all these events. Yep. And that's the sad thing. There's truthers are actually buying, uh, like COVID. They're buying 
uh, uh, George Floyd. They're buying all this stuff that's world stage theater. And uh, again, making videos over the years, demonstrating how these are all hoaxes, psyops leading us in a certain direction. Um, if Obviously, if you're going to believe the moon landing, you're going to believe 9-11 is as we're told, you're going to fall for these uh, stories as well. And that's exactly what's happening, unfortunately. Well, the, mm-hmm. the, the real uh, realistic answer to all that is there's probably multiple between them, depending upon how people are reacting to things. They've probably got several things mapped out like, okay, this is our end goal. And here's, th- here's the ways we can get there and we can adjust the variables as we see things unfold. That'd be my guess on how they do this shit. And of course, they've got these supercomputers now that are running models, constant conjecture anymore. That's admitted. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe minor details. I would think they they can change, but overall their agenda, they're not going to let the public dictate anything. They're going to do what they want to do on their time. And if you go against it, you're a conspiracy theorist. So the public's not going to dictate anything. They're, no, I think that they, they really only. Show. I agree with Darby. They have their end goal in mind, but they do um, change how they're trying to describe it. I've seen them kind of um, weasel and sort of say, "Okay, we're going to describe it this way." Oh, okay, we're going to tell tell the story a little bit more this way, and then now like this. So uh, it, it does seem like they're. The, the, you know, they sort of take the, take the poll, take the pulse, um, change the story a little bit, but ultimately it's all moving in one direction. They do have a hard end goal, yes. uh, what they're trying to get. Oh, to. sure. And I, and I, and we know what that is. Uh, and you know, I, yeah. And we, uh, the discussion being on AI again, um, I consider it uh, again, a, a pretty uh, plausible possibility. Again, I, I don't like RV. I don't like to prognosticate too much because you set yourself up for, you know, losing credibility. You say, nah, I can speculate a little yeah. bit. Um, but from what I, you know, from what I can tell kind of the way it's going, um, again, I, I'll say it this way. I wouldn't be surprised um, if they um, set up, again, an artificial intelligence or a sentient being um, that is actually uh, again, if you if you're a student of eschatology and Re- Revelation, the Book of Revelation, uh, or the Apocalypse at all, um, the, the idea of the beast and the false prophet, and then they um, uh, they made an image of the beast. The beast gave it a, a, a voice to speak, uh, so they could say um, you know hubris things. Uh, and so uh, again, I consider it uh, as Wayne and I were kind of both alluding to earlier. I think um, kind of in an oblique way uh, that it will appear to be uh, some sort of sentient AI supercomputer. Um, like Sophia or whatever, right? They notice the name they give her, um, but uh, that it would be instead um, a platform that's occupied by again a malevolent, uh, extra-dimensional being, you know, demon, if you want to um, put it that way, um, in such a, a way that uh, it will seem, you know, as RV said, that atheists will kind of go away, that everyone will worship it, right? They'll they'll. They'll see it as a um, a supernatural thing, and and probably, I mean, again, that, that we have created life, right? Man has created life to supersede himself, and that's the story it seems that they're going to present. Um, and it says, you know, everybody's got to worship uh, this thing. Um, again, it, it just and there's we we talked before about um, uh, the church of AI is already a thing, right? They're really kind of pushing that that um, that we should worship uh, this. So again, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not absolutely going to be this way, but again, I wouldn't be surprised if you if you kind of play. And the tail on the donkey that's one ass that sticks out <laughs> uh, i'd like to address my buddy john's uh question here he's asking about the future of cash and that's a, that's actually a very good question because i think we all know that if they can work towards minimizing and then altogether eliminating cash for a digital system that's a huge thing in getting their uh it's just a, another part of the control grid really and well, I know. would like to add something to that, Jason. This this just came about recently, uh, within the past week or so. Uh, I work in the business sector, and uh, 
there's talk now that banks are having a shortage of uh, coinage, actual coins. So uh, what our business uh, planned on doing is trying to keep extra rolled coins and stuff on hand because the banks are now saying that there's a shortage of, of coins. First, so they're already starting to try and shift this over to, you know, a cashless system when it comes down to it. That's what that tells me. So you see more and more places because of all the quote-unquote COVID-19 concerns shifting to, oh, we don't want to take your cash, just use your credit card. And, yeah, I've seen several kind of places so, using cash, yeah, and so. I've, I also got the note about uh, coin shortage that they're, um, yep. yep, that they're doing that, and so they're really pushing and, and have been for quite some time. And that's uh, that's again, they, it seems like they want uh, consent because they try to make you know Apple Pay cool and Google Pay and Wallet, and uh, it, it makes it convenient. And you know, frankly, uh, without even thinking about it, I, I probably went more than a decade without carrying cash at all. I had enough change for parking yep. if I needed it, or uh, you know, I kept a twenty dollar bill in my wallet just to is emergency, uh, but rarely carried cash. And I've kind of gone back to mostly carrying cash uh, these days, and it is problematic in, in some uh, some situations. Right, and well, we I sadly back. find myself in the same position there. Oh, go ahead, RV. Uh, yeah, no, no worries, no worries, Wayne. Yeah, like I was saying, um, you know, we have to look back, you know, over the years, there's been a tremendous talk about the cashless society, and of course, with the European Union, the Euro, um, the North American uh, dollar with Canada, U.S., Mexico. It hasn't come into play yet, but, you know, it's like it's almost like too predictable. But at the same time, with everything that's happening, um, it's definitely just a matter of time. And one thing I was going to ask about uh, you guys about is with the, the, the shortage of coinage, um, is this like is it prior to the was it 67 when they used, uh, you know, a higher percentage of silver? In, in the coins, uh, the quarters, uh, the dimes, and all that, are these collectors that are like swallowing up a lot of these uh, of the uh, the coins? Uh, what, what, what's the stem of the of the issue with the coin sh uh, shortage? That's that's kind of interesting. I think um, it's a production that thing. They're pulling them out of circulation. Okay, uh, they're not they're not saying that. Uh, you know, over the last um, 50, 60 years, they've reduced the amount. Uh, of actual, like, you know, pennies hardly have any copper in it anymore. If they made them completely out of copper, they'd be worth about 12 cents a penny. Uh, yeah. Even nickels are no longer made of nickel, right? Um, <laughs> it's mostly aluminum. Uh, so they, they, you know, and dimes used to be silver, and that's why they have the little ridge on the edge, because people would file the silver off, right? Uh, so they put the little ridge on uh, quarters and, you know, anything more than a nickel uh, had a has a ridged ed edge on it. And that was originally because so they, they it was made... Yeah, it was exactly. It was made from silver, and people would file it off and um, still pass it off. Um, so they put a ridge on it. But uh, they haven't been made uh, out of uh, any material like that in quite some time. Uh, it's mostly filler material. Uh, and you can see, if you look at a quarter, for example, you can kind of see the layers of, of material there. Uh, so they've been using uh, you know, uh, materials, uh, minerals, and uh, metals of, of lower and lower quality and grade for quite some time. Uh, and even now, apparently, again, insofar as I can tell, uh, it's a supply issue. They're simply not uh, coining them. They're not minting them. Uh, just a few things in those quarters, those state quarters. And you notice that uh, this year's got the bat. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> just gonna point yeah, that out. Coincidence. It's like, it's hmm. dink. Hmm. I don't just know, another of many coincidences. Winky sure. dink. Yeah, you got to be a coincidence theory, right? Uh, theorist to uh, to buy all this stuff. But yeah, it's um, anyway. I, I I think it's uh, quietly being done. RV just to uh, get them, just to make it a hassle. 
Uh, and they, I've seen a couple of op-ed articles where people are advocating for the end of change altogether, uh, you know, because uh, it's, you know, especially pennies and stuff. It's just it gathers space and it car- it's just a hassle. Uh, you got to go to the change machine, right? That awkward moment when you're walking into the, the coin star with a big bag of change and the, the homeless guy asks for, you got any change? And you like, stand there with a bag of change. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's, they, anyway, it's just they're, they're advocating for the removal of um, – if nothing else, coinage. Uh, and so now by creating a coin issue, uh, it's making retailers not, you know, not want to take it. It's uh, easier for them to take um, the, you know, electronic currency. And they have over the last 18 months or so uh, been offering, usually they take two and a half to 3%, sometimes up to 5%, depending on the um, the, the nature of the network uh, for transactions from a retailer. Uh, so uh, they're now giving better deals on that, and it's lowering down to some, in many cases, less than a single percent if you have a high enough transaction basis. So um, they're, they're again making it, uh, incentivizing it for um, you know retailers not to take cash, and certainly with the threat of the beer plague, uh, they're oh money carries it for weeks and weeks. Um, so <laughs> it, it just it <laughs> and seems it gets like passed a, around. Exactly. And they've been telling us for years that, you know, um, $20 bills, all of them test for cocaine, um, you know, and fecal matter. So <clears throat> put that together. Well, cocaine up your butt. I don't know. It's just weird. You're boofing some cocaine. Co- it's, COVID and fecal matter. All and together. fecal matter. What the shit? Well, no, it's gonna, um, let's just say it's going to be an easy sell. Place. Let's just say this whole thing, if they want to really go for it, is going to be an easy sell because they've got everyone being a bunch of freaking germaphobes now. Well, exactly. And, and here's the thing is that in a practical sense, it actually make you know, it makes a lot of sense. There, there's great arguments for having a cashless society. The problem is who's in control of it. And yeah, it, is, it always go. is. Many, many of the things that they propose are actually decent ideas. There's good arguments for um, ending national borders, for example. And, and you know, well, we can stop wars and everybody's all one. We all sit around saying kumbaya. Uh, <laughs> but the people... The people that are implementing it and their motives are very different. Uh, so they create – this is, again, the, the standard Hegelian dialectic of uh, problem, reaction, solution, um, where uh, they create a situation whose um, uh, solution for it is to do whatever they want. And they already wanted to do that, but they just wanted you to ask for it. And the same way that now they say uh, they're pushing for defunding the police in the U.S. Okay, well, what comes after that? Well, again, if you want the military, but if you want to get around posse comitatus, then uh, okay, then you just do exactly what they're doing, calling for the U.N. And the U.N. comes in, and uh, this simply is a direct result of many um, sheriffs and local police saying, we're not going to enforce lockdown rules. We're not going to enforce gun grabs. And that becomes a problem, because these guys, as bad as some of them might be, they live live in those communities. They go to those churches. They shop in those stores, uh, and they don't want to shoot people if they don't have to. And so when they get called to enforce these things, uh, if they switch the flip, right, they don't. They can't rely on these guys to do that. So what do you do? Defund the police, get the local guys out, bring in UN, bring in some um, Chinese, bring, bring in some Whoever. Russians, bring Something in some French for guys. Who, yeah, they got, and they got an axe to grind. Right, already they can release some – they can get rid of some frustrations about the Americans. So uh, bring in some guys from Saudi Arabia. Bring in some guys from the Sudan as part of the UN contingent. They'll be happy uh, to fire on uh, – uh, you know, under orders on unarmed civilians in the U.S. No problem. Um, so, again, if they promise something, guaranteed whatever comes after is way worse by orders of magnitude. In the same way that this Q 
garbage promises all this stuff uh, that you know says oh we're bringing down the deep state. Well, look, even if they took three hundred uh, top people and you know arrested them for pedophiles, pedophiles and sent them down to get or whatever this garbage is, even if they did that and threw three hundred people under the bus, I guarantee you, um, if you've ever heard of somebody, they they're not part, they're not really near the top, right? They're 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 one of the puppets down below. Even Rothschilds, even um, Rockefellers, they're they're puppets. They're if you know who they are, it's not them. <laughs> I pretty much guarantee that. Um, I mean, they're players. They're certainly in the game, uh, but they're not the ones really pulling the strings for sure. Uh, so, again, anything that you think is they're, they're doing something good, whatever comes after that, it's going to be way worse, almost certainly. Uh, I've watched the way these guys work for a long time, uh, and, and it's never it's never straightforward. They're never going to give you a, just anything straightforward like that. All right, moving on to the next Agreed. section here. Oh, you got something, Harvey? No, I was going to say I agree 100%. Well stated. Yeah. All right. God's kingdom come. Apocalyptic theology. Proper, properly speaking, apocalypse is a generally eschatological literary genre wherein a prophet receives divine revelation through a vision of a transcendent reality distinct from the everyday world. Apocalypticism, however, occurs in a wide variety of narrative structures. It can be broadly described as the belief that God has revealed the imminent end of the ongoing struggle between good and evil in history. In its fullest elaborations, the breakdown of a proper social order promotes apocalypticism, mm -hmm. in which believers expect that God will reconfigure the world and transform humanity so they can enjoy the kingdom eternally. Jewish and Christian apocalyptic traditions drew upon contributions from ancient Israel's prophetic tradition and wisdom tradition, combat myths of ancient Mesopotamia, and writings from Greek and Persian culture. Collectively, these sources found a home in the social landscape of Second Temple Judaism and early Christianity. Hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Nothing like the smell of BS in the morning, right? Wait, I mean, wait. <laughs> oh, there it is. Yeah. Oh, that's good stuff right there. That's bovine schatology. That's what you're smelling right there. Um, uh, Wayne, uh, I know Wayne to be a good enough um, student of scripture and uh, church history. Uh, we do a we do a show um, by um, basically semi monthly uh, on Sundays called Scripture on, on my channels and um, you know we talk about these things and we do you know exegesis on Scripture. Um, I think he would agree with me in saying that what this guy is punting here is poppycock. Uh, he's taking the story and flipping it right on its head. Absolutely, Wayne, by that. Yeah. Isn't that the way Luciferianism works? Yep, they flip it. They flip the script <laughs> they, right upside down. Yep, absolutely. Total inversion of the natural order. Total inversion of things, and that's exactly what he's doing right here. He's completely inverting this whole idea. Uh, you know, calling good evil and evil good, and exactly. woe to woe to the man that does do. that yep. and that thing. Yep. Exactly. So, I mean, that's that's exactly what's going on here. And this is a guy who's in a position of, uh, let's face it, uh, he's got a, a lot of pool everywhere he goes. So he's yeah, in he's a position what you of call an authority. Authority. influencer. Yeah, right. He's got a lot of influence, and you know, he apparently, uh, I think Jason said in the introduction, he's he's got that uh, kind of Fulbright grant going on or something, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, was, so that should uh, say something right there. Isn't that Fulbright Institute the same one that uh, uh, works with the uh, Bill Gates Foundation and stuff? I mean, you know, uh, all these connections, it, it always points back to the same couple of things. 
You know what I'm saying? There's always these same players involved in everything. And this guy's one of them. And he's got this paper out in this uh, major academic journal for, uh, you know, those that study religious ideologies. and, and Journal those, of the American the Academy of Religion. Yeah, right. that's, what, that's what it is. But I mean, so, here's, I the, mean here's this, the thing. This is a paper for insiders, pretty much. Uh, but like, here's the thing, Wayne. Would you, would you agree that um, there, there's a fair possibility, even a likelihood, um, that this guy be- really believes this gobbledygook and, and cod swallop um, because <laughs> that's what he's been taught by, you know, his mentors. Yes. Be- be- so I- they believe it, and he's got his letters, and so he's now bought into this idea. And so, right, he would be the first to tell you and and vociferously defend the fact that it's there's nothing nefarious about this. This, go- th- th- this is all true according to, you know, his beliefs because that's what he's been taught. He hasn't been outside of the seminary in 15 plus years and so everyone who he admires and looks up to has told him this is the truth and he believes it right and i don't doubt that for an instant because i mean if you look at at humanity in general most people we all want the same things okay we want you know a nice home to live in a comfortable environment to raise our families and you know enough food to eat and just the basics of life we want to live our life without all kinds of people like telling us, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that, that kind of thing. We, we want to have a nice, enjoyable life, essentially. And all people are the same in that regards. And I really don't think a lot of these people have, like, ill will towards other their fellow human beings. I think they really sincerely believe that they're doing the right things or that they're working towards the right things. And this guy's probably no different. I think he probably does very very much believe all of this to be true because that's what he's been indoctrinated with for a long time. And even though uh, he could look at the, you know, the Bible and the biblical scriptures and come up with this completely inverted idea of what, uh, you know, most Christians might be a little leery of if they've actually done any study in the Bible. uh, You could see, I, I don't think he's got any, bad intention in his heart towards doing this stuff. This is what what he legitimately... But with that being said, you could be sincere and still be sincerely wrong. And I I really (laughs) think he's sincerely wrong, in my opinion. I I agree. And that's why I wanted to check with you, because that's kind of what I'm reading into this, is that he's talking about it in, in such glowing terms uh, he, he d- it doesn't give the sense to me like uh, it's double speak. Like I see a lot of you know op-ed pieces, and I can smell uh, a CIA-written piece in, in the Washington Post from you know two miles away. It's got that stench to it. Uh, but th- this guy seems to be—he's pontificating almost too much, right? To to the point where guys who are lying, they keep it closer to the vest. He's throwing it all out there because he believes it. it the, he thinks this is um, this is the way, uh, and he's trying to come up with apologetics for it. And so uh, again, that's the sense I get. I mean, I always retain the right to be completely wrong but that's the sense i get from this guy um is that uh he's this is his version of apologetics uh for this idea that he's bought into that he thinks is is the way i wonder if there's a transhumanist apologetics movement i'll have to look into that because you know i I mean there might be a there there when it comes down to to steal one of crow's terms (laughs) yeah you you never know know. what it comes down to guys is you know, when the foundation is off and you're a little off, you go, if you're a little off, you're a lot off, you know, when it comes down to it. So that's what gets me about people, and I don't mean to bring this up, but this is a topic I cover extensively is the flat earth. I mean, we know they're working on this duality aspect 
you know, uh, you know, old Earth versus young Earth, um, you know, evolution, you know, versus creation. Uh, why would they be telling us the truth about, you know, living on a ball? You know, everything, everything NASA puts out is just utterly nonsense. But still, people are like, oh yeah, they're faking it. That's that's you know, we know they're faking it, but still, that that doesn't mean the Earth is flat. So people are like, you know, again, this this strong programming is, is really. Uh, really hard to get past, of course, the, the bad uh, stigma on flat earth and a lot of things. And, and again, if your foundation is off, and that is uh, this ball earth that's, you know, spinning, orbiting, uh, you know, through space, people can't go there. But again, this is why I really hammer the point with flat earth, because this is the foundation of all the lies, uh, of, again, of us being a cosmic accident. We're going to need man-made, um, you know, uh, vaccines and and other things from the pharmaceutical industry because we're just an accident. So this is why it's so very important to me to cover this. And, and again, people um, are believing the globe and then they're going to start falling for nonsense. And well, and it certainly is necessary for the, for the alien deception, isn't it RB? I mean, you oh, gotta have, a, yeah. you gotta have a planet in an infinite space with uh, the probability, right. Of, of extraterrestrial intelligent life uh, to have the alien deception. Uh, so it's a requirement of it, but you know, I, I, I agree uh, to an extent that certainly um, it is, it is a big one. It is one of the biggest. And once you, I mean, once you swallow that, when you go, okay, if they're going to lie about that, what else? And then you immediately, I mean, for me, it was everything, history, uh, you, you know, no nukes, like everything fell apart because uh, once you know that they lie at that level, right, that everything's an illusion, it only makes sense that, again, they're lying about everything, not some things, but everything, because once you take people off any kind of foundation, if you've got no foundation, um, you, you're lost, right? And so they can just tell you whatever they want. And I agree to that extent that um, and if you swallow, when you swallow that ball lie, um, if they can make you believe that, that can make you believe anything, right? Absolutely. So. And they give us, you know, option A, you know, that, you know, of course, you know, uh, evolution, came from monkeys uh option twos were created by some uh, you know alien race you yeah. know uh, these kind of things they give you you know a and b and c and it's like it's just like voting you know it's none of the above type of thing and, yep. and that's all very important but getting back to the whole uh, you just mentioned with the uh, the whole ufo deception which i've covered extensively in the past i mean literally everything they're doing this masonic um th there's this masonic code and everything like if you look at obviously be on the third third parallel uh, when the supposed crash in 1947, uh, and then you had the Phoenix Lights years later, what, back in the early, uh, the late, I believe it was the late uh, late 90s, and you look at the uh, the Phoenix Lights themselves, it's shaped like a, a Masonic square. I mean, they, they put their signs and symbols everywhere. Then you have Bob Lazar, um, you know, during his uh, presentations, he is doing all these Masonic hand signs, and and of course <laughs> they're they're pushing this heavily um, throughout the years with UFO specials and. You know, if they're pushing it, it's it's part of again uh, of their programming and planting a seed uh, for what, what's to come. And of course, all these scientists are are Mishu Kaku and so many others are pushing it, um, you know, as actuality. So, you know, it's it's very easy to see when you when you when you connect all the pieces together and, and you look at the big picture. It, it's very clear to see um, if they're pushing. It. Of course, again, we're talking about movies earlier with the AI. Well, how many movies based on aliens? A fire in the sky and uh, close encounters. But Hollywood's programming and they're just setting us up. And it's so clear to see uh, when you take a step back and you, you look at it all. It's it's very plain to see. All right, next section. 
Although the popular science works of apocalyptic AI are not members of the apocalypse genre, they contain what Wayne Meeks calls apocalyptic discourse. Because the 20th century robotics and AI authors had access to the full tradition of Jewish and Christian apocalypticisms, there will be little effort to offer a chronological assessment of apocalyptic development or situate the ideas of one group relative to those of others. Rather, the worldview of apocalyptic AI will be analyzed after several basic characteristics of the Jewish and Christian apocalyptic traditions have been described. The next section, we can we can talk about that if you want, guys, or I can move on to this next section. Alienation, Rome's to-do with Jerusalem. Jer- <laughs> Jerusalem. <laughs> Jerusalem. I don't know. I'm just making, sh- I'm making shit up now. <laughs> I got a little drool on my chin, I think. Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Right on. All right, so... Troubling political conditions provide fertile ground for apocalyptic writings and beliefs. Well, I guess that's pretty true. The political alienation experienced by Jews and Christians in the ancient world made apocalypticism a favorable religious alternative to cultural submission. This was clearly the case during Roman rule of Palestine. Political power and the right to worship were often stripped away from Jews and Christians who had little hope but to wait for the Messiah or his return to rectify the world. During Roman rule, Jews confronted a basic conflict in their covenantal view of history. Why did God withhold control of the promised land? The followers of Jesus inherited this pre-existing Jewish alienation and established upon it a new religion based on their presumed Messiah. As their political and religious split with the Jews widened, Christians were as uncomfortable in the temple as they were in the Agora, where they refused to participate in Roman public religion. Early Christians, oh, agoraphobia. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Early Christians desperately awaited the return of Jesus, which would eliminate their twofold political troubles and bring about an eternal end to alienation. Apocalyptics hope that God, as arbiter of absolute justice and rectifier of a corrupt world, will radically reconstruct the world. Apocalyptics, despite their criticism of the present world, are not pessimistic in their outlook. They are passionately concerned, even obsessed, with the possibility of goodness. As this world is so miserably sinful... Apocalyptics look forward to the time when God creates a new, infinitely good world. Woo! All right. Wow. Have at it, boys. Flipping, oh boy. flipping the, 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 the script on its head. Um, yeah, we're the good guys. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, and you'll also notice the uh, repeated use of the word alienation. And rectify. Alienation. Like the TV show. <laughs> Yeah, the TV yeah. show Alienation, of yeah. course, V, yeah, Visitors, yeah. and, and so many others. I mean, it's just uh, unbelievable how much uh, of that they're pushing. But here's the thing: the big thing about this world is, you know, uh, all they feed us is, uh, is nonsense, garbage, and nonsense. And if all your fed are lies, if you're a detective trying to if you, uh, solve a case and all your uh, fed are uh, is disinformation, good luck finding the truth. And that's literally what they're doing: just constantly feeding us uh, nonsense, garbage. Again, giving us option A, B, and C when it's none of the above. And it's so hard, you know, when – and this is what it comes down to. People – you know, so many people are just struggling. 
uh, in this rat race in this world we're living in. Um, and it's so hard to, to, you know, to, to take the time to do the research where you're inundated with bills. If you have kids, your mortgage, insurance, you, literally when you come home, you don't have time to look at this stuff. Yeah. And uh, it's a lot of people that uh, literally that I know that are self-employed or have a position they can look at things um, that, you know, see this, that can see this. The people that are inundated, uh, it's just, you're just, you're putting another load on them. They're already too busy. Now that it's like you're, you're giving them another assignment, like a, a huge homework assignment, uh, and, and they don't want to look at it. It's like, look, I'm, I'm already uh, inundated with so much stuff. I can't even go in that direction. So I'll just dismiss it completely, and that's what I've seen uh, a lot over the years. Well, RV, uh, um, just to piggyback on that, I don't know if you're um, at all familiar with what I've been working on since the first of the year, uh, the Awakening Project, in trying to quantify the difference between those who awaken and those who do not. Uh, and I had some uh, a premise that we could, uh, to some degree, identify uh, certain personality traits among those, uh, and at least um, you know tangential points um, that uh, you know of correlation between those who wake up and those who didn't. And and so now with uh, over 350 respondents. Uh, I have uh, validated the premise, but also found some other interesting things. And one of those things is that uh, they have to have enough time to do this. Uh, often uh, when people look into it, they have either, uh, for example, suffered a job loss, a divorce. Uh, they've had a major life change or something uh, gave them suddenly time to look into it. And that is almost universally true uh, among people who have uh, really, again, had a paradigm change, not just one or two things. But when they, uh, again, what we would call red pill or a Awaken um, that they they see the everything right. They start to really look behind the veil. One of the primary keys is that you have to not only have the temerity and, and the intellectual honesty uh, to follow truth wherever it leads, no matter what the implications, no matter if you look crazy or have to admit that you were previously wrong, and usually you do. Uh, but that you also have to have the time uh, and the discipline to look at it yourself. You simply cannot just um, throw away one set of beliefs for something that somebody else says because you like the way they talk or it resonated with you. It, it might resonate with, with you that something that somebody says, but you really have to put in uh, the homework and the and the uh, due diligence yourself to really know it you know, fully. And I've pointed out this before, the, the really the kind of the uh, long-term, long-standing view of the difference between knowledge, which is imparted information. You can learn the information and regurgitate it, but you don't really know it. You don't have understanding until it becomes experiential, right? Until you know it for yourself. And then wisdom comes as you're able to take that and kind of project it forward and understand what the consequences um, would be uh, when you when you act that out. But uh, the vast difference between uh, knowledge and understanding. I often liken it to the, um, do you want to go uh, mountain climbing with a guy who's read a bunch of books about mountain climbing or the guy um, who, who's been there 12 times, right? Who you want is your Sherpa. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You just said that there's a, I, I know people I talk about like a lot of things that are happening in the world over the years going way back and, and the ones that are heavily indoctrinated. I hate to say it. You, you go in there like one of their rooms, their homes, and it's just, Fill the ton of books, science books, and, and and all that, and they they just fill their mind with these things, and uh, and uh, you know it's like they they dedicated so much time and effort in, into their so-called research, just basically these these science books and whatever they're reading, and and uh, you know all that time and effort and energy going different. Good luck, good luck, and uh, that gets back to um, any type of interaction online, for example, even online. Like, for example, Facebook or Twitter, uh, YouTube, you know, in, in a comment section of a under a video, you're not going to change someone's 
foundation in, in an hour, two hour back and forth chat, um, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, depending on the individual uh, programming is very hard to break. And when it comes down to it, uh, a lot of times people have to see for themselves, come to on their own terms. They don't want yeah. some other individual telling them they want to come to that realization on their own. Their ego can handle that when they figure out for themselves. But when, when I hate to say, it, but the reality is, when you push on them a little bit too much and like proving they're wrong and, and, and now they have a new stance and now they always look back and say, wow, you know, basically I admit I was wrong and so-and-so told me I was wrong and now I, I'm living a, a different type of um, – I'm having a different outlook on life, seeing things differently. And, and again, um, sometimes the more you push on people – the more they kind of like push back and sure and that's, because they're, that's what's happening. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, sure. They feel like they need to defend um, their beliefs. They feel like they're de yeah. de their beliefs are being attacked and therefore they are being attacked. And, and you yes. know, by inference, they're being called stupid, right? Um, <laughs> like, you know, Mark Twain, that character, at least it's attributed to him, said it's much more difficult. You know, it's easier to fool a man than convince him he has been fooled uh, because <laughs> they, have a, they have a tendency that they want to defend those beliefs uh, because they've accepted them. And so, you know, again, my, uh, my, my view and, and you know what I try to do anyway is um, find people who are interested and drop a few seeds now and then. And eventually, um, those who are interested will always come back and ask questions. Uh, and then I can kind of point them in a direction. Well, study this, look into that, look into this. Uh, for example, when it comes to the you know the shape of the earth, I'll just drop. Um, well, you want to look into something? Look into Michelson Morley experiment. Right. Um, you know, look into uh, this or, or look into the fact that uh, gas doesn't have covalent bonding. So it mass doesn't work. So now go look and see what uh, Saturn's supposed to be a gas giant in Jupiter. Um, how is that going to happen in a 10 to, 10 to minus 17 tour vacuum uh, when you apply the, the second law of thermodynamics and uh, entropy? Uh, you know, yeah. if, if somebody has the, you know, the wherewithal to understand, you know, what, what, what that is and go look, and they'll come back and go, what the hell? I go, I know, right? Um, and, and so I, I try to plant seeds and water it from time to time, uh, but I find it uh, mostly um, counterproductive in the extreme to really try to beat somebody over the head and convince them because they don't want to be convinced. Uh, yeah. Mostly I try to interest them. Right. And go, did, did, did you ever think about, did you know, uh, and to try to get um, a little bit of intrigue going? Because, again, if you push against their beliefs, they're going to immediately push back. Right. It's yeah, just absolutely. It's, and, it's and common. One thing, one thing that a video I recently released was, um, you know, this one, the, the footage of, from CBS from I, think, I believe it was 2011 where they show the so-called planetary alignments where you can see uh, Jupiter uh, you can see uh, Mars, and then also you can see Mercury and Venus, which is literally impossible at night. Impossible. Because, of course, they are on this. They are closer to the so and the heliocentric the anyways, right. closer to the sun. And um, you know, all I get was people raging, and they couldn't debunk it. And I said in the video, you "Just can't. There's no way to weasel uh, your way around this to anybody out there. That's a ball art. There, there's literally no way. All they had were insults." Oh, you're crazy. Yep. Uh, you don't know about science. But I'm like, okay, well, how about some actual, uh, you know, evidence to support this heliocentric model, seeing the Venus in, in Mercury? And some guy had the most ridiculous model showing uh, the ball Earth, like, on the other side of the sun and, and seeing the alignment. I'm like, dude, you understand? It, facing that way, you're going to be looking at the sun. It'll be daytime. 
just <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's just absolutely ridiculous. So what I'm getting it gets at is absurd, doesn't what? it? What? Yeah. This yeah. is what um this is what Rose's friend did when I was talking to her and I was again I was just going to try to get her to ask some, you know, ask some questions and try to get her to think and she came prepared to fight, right? So it's, it wasn't going to go very far. And uh so I mentioned the the black swan, right, which is a, a thing that's going to been passing around this uh, image that shows a couple of uh, oil platforms and one of them six and some odd miles away just under seven miles and the other one's a little over nine miles away and when you use ge- you know ge- geometric uh, information if you look at a, a geometric curve and right and you just apply euclidean geometry um the, the basics are that you know they used a modus tollens argument and again this is from a, another show but um the, the information is accurate it's a, it's a, a consistent argument uh, that basically says that uh, the you know the, the observable horizon can be no further than 1.225 times uh, the observer's height and feet in miles. Uh, so that according to this image, right, it could have been no more than even if, even at um, six foot. And it was clearly at about one and a half feet, um, the camera angle taken still taken from a video. Uh, so it could have been no more than just a little over two miles away at most, 2.73 miles uh, at the most. And so anyway, um, I was just, you know, trying to show this. And so what she she pulls up some video. Right. And it's trying to debunk it. And and the argument in the video is bass backwards. Um, it's trying to make the other argument that why we can see too far. So this is exactly the wrong argument. And it was um, disingenuous to start with because he's using a, 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 you know, a convex lens, a magnifying glass to try to bring something over the horizon. It's like that's not even the argument. I just started laughing. Yeah. I was laughing so hard I couldn't even talk. I was like, no, you're kidding, right? That's, no, you lost like, your you, shit and it was hysterical. I, did, I'm so, <laughs> I felt so bad. I remember and that. I, I was I on the to... phone with him right afterwards and he still quit. <laughs> Don't stop laughing. Uh, 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 you know I know. Wayne and I had to do a stream. Um, yeah. If I could jump in real quick, the funniest thing is, is uh, you know, way back when, you know, in, you know, 2015, I was talking about flat Earth all over, you know, of course, on my on my video social media, and uh, people were constantly hammering uh, about the the Felix Bumgarner jump, you know, over and over. You know, oh, here's your evidence. Yo, oh, you think you, you think the Earth is flat? Look at this. And then, of course, Neil deGrasse Tyson. You know, that footage was found actually a year prior to 2014 that no one uh, or on the flat earth side didn't know about until a little bit later about, you know, saying, hey, you know, he's that up, you know, from, from that from that height, you know, that stuff is flat. And it's based on, you know, the reason it looks like a curve is because, of course, uh, the fisheye lens. So you bring that up to them and you just get dead silence from these people, the same people. Uh, and I had a huge, uh, you know, a huge falling out with a couple of friends over when I said years ago about you know, uh, the moon being extremely close, not, you know, not as far as we're told. And they literally uh, blew a gasket over it. And, uh, and later on, of course, we had from space.com saying, uh, surprise, surprise, how the moon is in uh, Earth's so-called atmosphere now, you know. So <laughs> you, you tell yeah. people something and then, you, you, you know, you look back and you just laugh and, and they're like so like violently like defending uh, science like, like it's like, uh, you know, they're defending their, their, their mother or father. It's like when you, when you talk about, about, you know, anything. And science is, is real science and there's a pseudoscience they're pushing, yep. uh, the, main, the, the mainstream. But like literally when you go against anything they're taught, it's like you, you, you told them 
your mom wears combat boots and they get so you know rv get violent almost (laughs) rv that's the thing right there right and it's not just anything right there's a few things and that's what um that's what really uh got me going on this awakening project right is that i was looking at the means and methods um and and understanding how they do it it's basically the power of suggestion it's literally like a mass hypnosis right it's a spell that they put people under Um, and uh yeah exactly and what i noticed is um it certain topics will trigger people uh and and what I know from psychology and from uh, being a counselor at, at one period of time uh, is that when people respond uh, in a, a elevated emotional state that's way out of context uh, with the nature of the the, the information uh, that means that there's some sort of traumatic stress that's built in there, right? So they're reacting just to a memory of something else, right? So when they say people can push your buttons, well, they can. There's they're, they're actually stepping on what I call an emotional landmine. Well, this was an indication to me that certain things uh, w- will trigger people. And, and I found it really odd that this was one that did that, right? The shape of the earth, if you like even suggest to somebody uh, that it might not be a ball flying through space, they lose their shit. I mean, it, like yeah. their, their, their head starts to get red and then they get, they start sputtering. And I was like, okay, that's not natural, right? So that indicates to me that it is some sort of like um, post-hypnotic um, su- suggestion. It is, it's a, a trigger that's been put there. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what led me down this path of, of really looking into this and there's um, studying a lot of stuff um, and listening to Text or um, uh, expositions by Albert Huxley or Aldous Huxley rather and um, uh, McLaughlin, a couple of people who uh, said it. They gave a lot a lot of things away, and part of that has to do with again the the power of suggestion that it follows the Pareto distribution that twenty uh, percent are going to be very susceptible, twenty percent are not susceptible, and the and the sixty percent in between is a standard bell curve distribution. But there are things that they can do um, to uh, you know increase their odds, and so that got me thinking. Okay, th- they know who those people are and I bet I can find out um, what those character attributes are and and we're doing it like I'm I'm having great success um, you know look very statistically significant um, revelations here of um, some people have a predisposition that they're more likely doesn't mean they're gonna uh, but they they have a personality traits um, specifically a couple of them are that um, they have to um, have that information themselves and they're uh, less tied to external validation Right. So um, those who are very tied to external validation are not going to be likely to let any I mean, uh, the the risk of them losing their place in society by saying the earth is flat. They're never going to do it. Right. Because they they have to go along with somebody else and they don't trust themselves uh, to, to have the discernment to know. Those guys are smart. I'm not smart. So they're they're smart. I'm going to they say it's yeah. good. Right. And so yeah. the, those people are going to have a hard road to hoe. And, and it may be too late. I, I hate to say that, but some people are so, you know, inert in the system uh, that they simply, they, they have to defend it. It's the only thing they've got. And that's why I say that, you know, the higher the education, the deeper the indoctrination, because now they're invested. They've got, you know, monetary time and their entire career at this point. By the time they get a PhD or um, at least a master's, uh, they've got a lot of time, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and um, their their entire reputation is based on that, right? And you have to publish or perish but in academia. And so if you step out of line even the tiniest bit, you're done, you know, especially in this age of cancel culture. So um, they're absolutely not going to 
look anywhere um, that might be controversial. They they have to toe the line. Um, it, it is a it, it's an interesting place and taught um, to to respect authority and to simply um, you know repeat what authority says and that's knowledge. That that's how yes. you learn and that's built in Dunning Kruger. It's exactly <laughs> like Dunning Kruger. That's what in doc. That's what schools are. Right? If you can repeat it, then you're smart and you get the grade. If you ask questions about it, you're dumb. Well, no, asking questions is how you know, right? Exactly. And, but they punish you for asking questions. They're like, no, you're a troublemaker. You have ADD. Here's drugs, right? Yeah. And so um, they, they literally um, turn off your brain. And uh, again, I, I feel lucky and I know uh, talking to different people, uh, I've been in communication with a lot of people who have responded and many of them did like me. They got all kinds of trouble in school because we would ask questions to go, um, that doesn't make sense. And then the teacher gets mad and said, shut up. So, you know, just <laughs> I'm a teacher. Shut up. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. When I was younger, I'd question so many things about earth spinning, you know, and I just say, how does all this water stick to it? It just I'd question all these things and. One thing I should take a step back. We're talking about Neil deGrasse Tyson, um, you know, uh, and talking about what he what he said about you know Felix Bumgarner, and at that height you wouldn't see the curve. Here's something very funny uh, I find very interesting. You know, we all know about the clip with Neil deGrasse Tyson stating, you know, Earth pear, is pear shaped. You know, it's a little bit wider at the bottom. This, this, this. But we see, of course, a a perfect uh, sphere uh, when they show the, the globe with all their, of course, fake uh, garbage uh, depictions. Of this imaginary ball earth, but what I'm getting yeah, at is okay. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So he's implying is, that it's fatter at the bottom, right? Like it's like it's fat because it's it's uh, like there's downward, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it's heavier at the bottom. It's like that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> but that, the in your is, model, it makes no sense. It's yeah. retarded. Yeah. Sorry. The, the, yeah. The point is, is you have this perfect uh, sphere they're showing all the time with NASA. He's saying it's 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 more pear shaped, and then here's the thing: is that no one really talks about. Um, then I'll probably end up doing a video later on because I have a video clip from uh, several years back of this Google analyst talking about the shape of the earth, and he said it's potato-shaped. So you have Neil deGrasse Tyson saying it's shaped like a pear. There's Google analyst saying it's, it's, it's potato-shaped, and we're seeing images of a ball from NASA. So what is it? Yeah. You know? Every, every quote, ridiculous. composite image is perfectly, perfectly, uh, you know, spherical. Uh, so yeah, well, can't we just ask any, them to take any... another new picture with one of their mighty one megapixel cameras out there? Yeah. Right. Uh, from one of those, those you know, tens of thousands of satellites. And you, know, guys, and you know, guys too, I was going to say this too, uh, years ago, I made that uh, video after, um, you know, they had that one supposed full photo back from 1973, um, from one of the Apollo missions, and in 2015, um, they had the newest photo, and and of course, so-called photo, not, not real, of course, but they had sex inverted in the clouds yep. upside down, and yep. and this is people laugh, but I was and I said this to uh, Sam Tripoli uh, on a podcast I did with the Tinfoil Hat podcast, you know, they're called, you know, I know it goes back to the Italian saying uh, for Illuminati being enlightened, but it's literally. The Illuminati, they're illuminated and they're naughty. And they love this, the, the naughty aspect with, with the sex in the clouds. And they have, like, for example, throughout uh, time, you'll see things like, uh, from again, getting back to Hollywood, when you see an episode of Star Trek where you can see uh, Captain Kirk um, holding what looks like a phallus symbol. It literally looks like, you know, the male member um, uh, for Star Wars with George Lucas, they had an official card. Uh, released in 1977 of C-3PO that was a dildo. I mean, literally, they said, oh, yeah. you know, the, 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 
the people at Tops, they released the photo, they played a little gag. No, this was meant to get out there. Just like when you had the Beatles album, they said, oh, it wasn't supposed to get out there. They always make some kind of BS excuses. Literally, this stuff, you know, again, they're the uh, they're illuminated and they're nodding. They like their their phallus symbols. Just look at the rockets. And, you know, they're, they're they, you know, I hate to say it, they're like flying penises. <laughs> you know, that they're well, phalluses. You know, you it's know, just um, all out there, right in front of us, and it, it's very clear to see. You know, with even the, of course, uh, with the, what do you call it, the uh, the Eiffel Tower. Um, you know, uh, I had learned, um, so, some, uh, ads, print ads. Uh, and so, uh, we were, we were able to break it. That was sex or death oriented, almost every one. And you can find, um, like, uh, for example, in, uh, whiskey commercials, right. Or ads print, you know, either a skull or the word sex, uh, in the ice cubes. And it was, yeah, I've seen that. The ice and almost cube. every, almost every, you'd see a scantily dressed girl and you could see sex airbrushed in her hair two or three times. Anything like that, that was kind of, you know, wouldn't catch her eye right away but when you know what you're looking for you could find it everywhere um a full yeah, like face the, uh, of a girl they would they would sex appeared over and over and over and over and i mean again this was in the the 80s in print ads and i found hundreds of examples uh so it is you know it's not a new phenomenon but uh, I, I laughed when i saw that uh you know the sex in the in the clouds i'm like that's just classic because uh, they've been doing that forever right so they uh, used this combination i always found you know the, the sex one made sense to me that Death occult real in advertising. That was a really weird thing that they used. They use a lot of death symbology, uh, especially when it comes to vices like um, print ads for cigarettes, print ads for alcohol. Uh, they use a lot of death symbology. It's it's a really interesting phenomenon that it works. Yeah, they also reason. had the they also had the um, on the topic you're talking about uh, with the whiskey. They also had I believe it was Pepsi. I forgot it was Pepsi or Coke, but one it was one of the two. Where it, if you connect two of the cans, uh, one on top of the other, just like sex. Pepsi. Yes, it's it's sex. sex. Yeah. And the, and the so, same with the boxes. Yeah, if you put the stack the boxes, uh, the twelve pack right on top of each other, um, yeah. side, you know, just just the right way. I mean, just end to end, basically, it would say sex. Um, it's. Yeah. It's again. It's not by accident. There's no way. I mean, again, you got to be a conspiracy uh, coincidence theorist uh, to believe that all of these things uh, are by accident. And they will say over and over. They, you know, they, they there's the uh, things from the '60s where they put, for, you know, a few frames of popcorn or Coke in the theater, and the, the sales bumped up. And then, uh, then later they came out and said, "Oh, that was a uh, th that was a gag. It, it was never proven, and just somebody put that out there." Uh, so, so they do this over and over. They'll tell the truth, and then. You, debunk it right and i think the same thing was true for example uh bob lazar and uh, he's one that i when i watch him i think he's probably um, believes what he's saying but they probably fed him stuff and then let him go there's no way they would actually let somebody just like um snowden there's no way they would actually let that get out there if they didn't want it out there and so the same with snowden i think he probably um believes what he's doing uh, but he was set up uh, to follow, follow the breadcrumbs in the same way i did following 9 11 Right in the first few minutes after 9/11, I was like, "What do we do to piss off Osama bin Laden?" I, I thought I'd done figured it out, right? Well, I'm following the breadcrumbs. I got this going. I'm smart, right? And so, uh, but but that's the way they get you because once you believe that you've got it figured out, you're not going to back up off that. No, I came to it myself. Nobody told yeah. me that, right? But they've been telling you for for 18 months uh, that we should expect uh, some attack from Osama bin Laden. So it it became you know it, immediately apparent. And so by the end of the day, when they started saying it, I was like, see, I told you. Um, but uh, yeah, that's again, that's kind of how they get you. They lay these breadcrumbs out. And so I assume the very same thing with both Bob Lazar and, and Edward Snowden that they 
laid breadcrumbs out for them uh, to kind of, again, force uh, their hand. Right. So they led them into doing it. So they uh, they aren't compromised in the sense that they believe exactly what they're saying. But what they're saying is disinformation, misinformation or a little bit of the truth that they can then debunk. Right. So that, that's all you got to do to debunk truth is you put 99 percent truth, one little bit of lie in there, bring it out, debunk the one percent lie and say, see, the whole thing's garbage. And they've been doing that forever. Uh, just misinformation. Well, right. it's funny you say that because after each um and all these psyops, there's always this misinformation. For example, like uh, there'll be like, you know, there's a lot of predictive programming, of course, in Family Guy and The Simpsons. But right away, there's always like photoshopped uh, images from like, for example, like George Floyd, um, right. you know, sorry, George. And that type of thing with Lisa holding a hand with a guy. Justice uh, for George or whatever. Yeah, just for George. Yeah. But I tell this people all the time, like, look, don't don't do not rush to put things out. Don't be first. Get it right. Find the actual footage, look at it through a video footage. Just don't grab some still, some mem, and just run with it. Because, again, like you just said there, Baldini, is is uh, if someone debu so-called debunks one little aspect, then it means, oh, everything else that you, you say is wrong. That's why I'm so very careful uh, exactly. what I put out. Because, you know, I'm human. We all can make years putting out videos. You have to be uh, very, very careful. doesn't mean I'm immune to making mistakes, and it can't happen. But keep them to a bare minimum by doing the proper research. It's exactly. better, to, uh, you know, to, to, to be last and get it right, to be first and get it wrong type of thing. And that's the thing. But is, and, and if you do make a mistake, a just come out and say it, right? Just come out hey, I made a mistake. Don't try to mitigate, right? Or minimize it. Just, uh, you know, I screwed up. I mean, we, I mean, that's like I said, I, I rarely uh, prognosticate or speculate, but when I do, I'm very clear that, man, you know, th this is a, you know, a thought it's, it's possible, uh, but you know, but don't, don't tie me down on it. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I saw the, when I saw the, the, you know, Pink Floyd thing the first time, uh, in the first, you know, 10, 15 seconds, it, it got, it elucidated an emotional response. And that immediately went, maybe go, Hey, uh, th that ain't right, right? They're they're trying to elicit a, an emotional response, and then when you start looking at it and breaking it down, you find all kinds of things wrong in it. And so th these are the kind of things again. I'm careful on everything. The same way that um, uh, that one, you know, uh, cop, uh, Port of Seattle, POS, right, uh, police guy, uh, <laughs> Greg makes Anderson. This, yeah, exactly. And he makes this video, and of course, it's what you want to hear. But it just struck me odd, right? And again, I can't say for sure either way. The guy, but. It did seem really odd, and t the timing of it was odd. Uh, everything just felt weird to me, right? So uh, it's just yeah, – Let me jump uh, on that I one. I tread carefully about on the, all those things. Yeah, let, let me jump on that one. This is the thing is uh, people make claims. I, I back up what I, I, I when I make a claim. Uh, Greg Anderson is his name. He goes by Greg Anderson 33. Um, he's flashing a Corona, uh, Corona California uh, sweatshirt, uh, turns around, shows in the back. Uh, is MMA, MMA school uh, down in Southern California, of course. Um, he's been on Fox News. He's been on CNN. Um, you know, there's so many things about him. He's wearing, you know, it looks just, he has a shirt. It's the exact replica of the Order out of Chaos, Chaos logo, the uh, double-headed phoenix or eagle. Um, you know, all these things. It's not just one thing. And that's one thing about me is I, I look for as many, I work off multiple uh, connections, not just one piece of evidence. And yeah, the preponderance of evidence, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. but the thing is, with me, uh, and I'm going to be blunt. My views of Gallant, uh, Snowden, um, and and Bob Lazar, um, these people, they wouldn't get that spotlight unless they're controlled. Absolutely, um, they might believe what they believe, 
But I'll tell you right now, there's people, you know, they can't take a chance putting someone like um, a Bob Lazar or, or Snowden, um, you know, on TV or whatever, or, or transmitting whatever they transmit and uh, hope they're going to say what they want to say. So they, they don't, they don't, it's like, it's like the news. They don't want like 80% control, 90%. They are 100% in, uh, sure. in control uh, of the narrative. And this way they, they you know, the agenda is pushed properly. And this is why they, they must um, have these people under their wing. Yeah. And they're grab bubbles. We hope he's going to say, well, what we want him to say. No, he's going to stick to the script. Yeah. But again, he can, only, he, can, he can only say what they gave him. Right. So yes. uh, when they when they limit what they gave him. Right. So it's need to know but they could limit what they gave him. They know exactly he's going to say, well, that's all he can say. Right. Is what exactly what they gave him. Uh, but they could do a psych profile on, on him and know that they could crush him and get him to react in a certain way that he would tip and reveal it. So they, and, but he's going to look crazy doing it. And so they can mock him for being crazy. And yet, on the other hand, get people to go, oh, UFOs are real. UFOs are real. And that's been to me the narrative since the 1950s is to press the idea that they're hiding something right what's in the box oh don't look in the box there oh that means there's something in the box so they keep going back on this and so they put stuff out there and then come up with ridiculous denials swamp gas right so you know that yeah. it's a lie yeah. and then gas. you go oh so so they're hiding the truth what's the truth well the truth is aliens right and, and so yeah. they um they create the narrative uh by plausible deniability right so that they kind of they play both sides of the fence just like you said rv like they they are controlling both sides of the narrative really really well and they don't let, let any loose cannons out there and for those people who do believe that um you know trump is going to be the savior of us all guys no, presidents are are selected, not elected. Um, it was surprising to me that they didn't put HRC in there. But once they did it, once they put Trump in there, I went, oh, now I get it. Right? They they make him a pinata, um, a, a proxy for everything right of hard left, and then they make every oh you're a Trump supporter, then you're everything bad we think about him, and we're gonna call him all these names, and then he acts like he's playing the part. It's WWE wrestling, man. If you yeah. haven't figured out that the <laughs> politics is is wrestling with different suits on, um, yeah, look there. Right. Um, if you think anything has changed in the last hundred years uh, and just look at the stats, 90 percent of the time uh, they, they, they do exactly what the opposite of what the people say they want. Right. You know, and, and I'll say this. This is something um, that I get a lot of flack for from people because I've never let um, I hate to say it, my own followers dictate the course I go, what I'm going to say, the videos I make. I'm going to put out what I believe is the truth, regardless of what people if it gets, uh, you know, a thousand thumbs down and, and, and zero likes. Um, and and I, I look a little bit deeper. I, I think, you know, I hear a lot of truthers talk about, oh, you know, Bill Clinton, you know, uh, he, he's a murderer. He had people murder this, this, and this. I'm like, look, votes don't count. When votes don't count, you don't need to murder anybody. You know, he's it, it's all it's all a rigged system. Going back when he's, you know, in, in Arkansas, you know, people were talking about this and the whole thing with Ron Brown and the plane crash and, and people are like, look, you know, he, you know, he killed this guy, and and Bill Clinton's like leaving the the so-called funeral smiling, and Rush Limbaugh is like is doing commentary about, because look, he doesn't care about Ron Brown, he's laughing and smiling. No, he's laughing and smiling because it's all just a a big facade. It's a big it's a big hoax, and, and that's what people that's where people can go is. But again, the foundation is you got to question these people and tell them, say, look, uh, you know, votes don't count. You talk about votes not counting, so why would Bill Clinton need to kill kill anybody? Um, even the uh, so-called uh, I, I talked about it many times, made videos on it, the so-called uh, you know Bill Clinton uh, BJ. Uh, you know this is one time he's telling the truth. He didn't do it. This is world stage theater stuff. Look at all the photos with Monica Lewinsky. 
I mean, if you're trying to hide an affair, why would you have countless photos in public, behind the scenes, in the White House, together? It's just, you know, people are not going to get it. They're still, they're still stuck in that believing, you know, and the whole purpose is to make the media look legit. Well, look, the media's even going after Bill Clinton, the president right. of the United States. They're trustworthy. We can rely on them. No, this guy is deep state as it gets. And this is where, you know, people have to understand we're definitely living in a matrix. And one point, one caveat before I go on a bit too long, one thing I want to mention, getting back to the UFOs, uh, at, at a very young age, I must have been 10 years old, 11 years old, watching specials uh, of the Roswell crash. And, uh, you know, they had these specials about it saying um, how these uh, UFOs, uh, they're, they're talking to people in the military saying, oh, yeah, these we were trying to burn the material, we were trying to break it, and we, we you know, it, it was indestructible. I'm like, wait a sec, if it's indestructible, why is this UFO in a million pieces uh, supposedly crashing Roswell? Yeah, right. They always seem to I, crash. I'm 10 years old, I, I was saying this stuff, you know? Yeah. So I've always had that kind of frame of mind of questioning things and not just uh, absorbing things, you know? You know, and that's the that's one of the things um, I, I see with people who defend the globe model all the time, right? They get stuck in the little details, and they fail to see that the whole the whole model can't work. When you put it all together, it's like, but that's nonsense. It, they, they, they can't. And then they'll try to break it down, and you know, again, uh, make they'll look at the little details of it, right? So they blind themselves to the whole thing, and by defending every little detail, and they they just you can't count how many yeah buts come out of them. Yeah, but yeah, but. Yeah, but it's like, ever heard of Occam's Razor? Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah. That's one thing it's about a... me. You know, not to, I'm sorry, Gray Bold. I'll be, uh, I was going to say, one, one thing about me is, you know, it, it gets back to, to traits of people, uh, personalities of, uh, of people that don't give a damn. Sorry, like, I don't like, I don't care about fitting in when I was a child in school. Uh, it, it, you know, I was never one to, like, uh, seek out, make friends. It just happened. People would want to be my friend. I never made any effort. Uh, when you're desperately liked and accepted, uh, you're going to be going along with the program of what's said in the uh, the media. You want to be, uh, I want to seem intelligent. I want to seem smart. So I'm just to go along with, with the program. When you don't give a damn about that stuff, you can see things for what they are because you don't have this uh, uh, preconceived notion. You don't have a bias uh, to go along uh, with everybody else. So that's it's a big part of, of having the right traits of, a, of an individual that can uh, lead you to seeing things for what they are and not being swayed by peer pressure. Yeah, I, I have um, long said, you know, again, go, with the idea of the psychology and, and uh, you know, with counseling, one of the things that, you know, I often would share with people is that, you know, it's not what I think that counts or what you think that counts. It's what I think that you think that matters, right? Most people, um, they perform for people because they desperately want and need acceptance. And so uh, they model their behavior in such a way that when they see acceptance from somebody else, then they'll lock in on that. That's one of their behavioral patterns. And so they need um, disapproval from others. Uh, and, and when you can um, get yourself out of that, and, you know, uh, for me, it's a matter of uh, my relationship with the creator. That's the only one I seek approval from at all. It's, you know, you know, other than that, uh, I don't really care what people think. And it's not like in a you know sociopathic way. Oh, give a shit, whatever. It's not like that. It's that I don't need your approval um, to know if I'm doing well or not. Right. Um, I just uh, I look to um, guidance for, from the creator on whether uh, I'm improving or doing well. And the rest of it, it's going to fall out where, where it may. Right. I'll, I'll let other people decide, if, um, you know, if I'm doing well or not, um, because it does. They're going to believe what they believe anyway. And that has freed me up uh, to, to really investigate these things. And I don't care 
or I don't worry about what anybody thinks if I, um, you know, uh, deny the, the globe as being possible. I don't care if anybody thinks I wear a, a tinfoil hat. It just is what it is. And, you know, most people understand that, um, what, you know, when they meet me that, um, again, I don't really care. What, <laughs> I'm not really that interested. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm interested in what they think, right, because I want to know how they think. Uh, but I'm not interested in what they think about me. <laughs> that just uh, that's not really a, a part of the equation. Uh, and I sense that, you know, in many ways, you're like that RV that you just, um, you know, you, you're going to go uh, again for me. It's I'm going to go where the truth leads no matter what, no matter what exactly. the implications are, um, no matter what uh, what that means. Right. And no matter what the, the cost or consequences are. And that's why the name of my channel is Unintended Consequences. I, I didn't mean for it to happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. I didn't mean to be a tinfoil nut, you know, tinfoil. I don't mean to wear a Faraday fedora, um, but that's just what happened. It's not because of what I believe. It's because of what those who control the world believe. I didn't make up. I didn't pull it out of my butt that they're a bunch of uh, baby-eating psychopaths. They just are, right? <laughs> you know, I didn't make it up. It's not a rectal extraction. I didn't pull it out of my butt. Um, it's because I tracked down the truth and discovered, hey, these guys are creeps, man. Uh, you know, and then when I find um, that uh, numerous people all coming from different uh, directions – all end up in a very similar place, you know, again, that's very telling, right? That we all come from a very different starting point and all end up somewhere pretty close together. Um, th that That's pretty telling, I think. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, the, the whole point, the whole aspect of this is um, you're not going to make uh, everybody happy, so don't even try type of thing. Just, you know, call it as you see it. And here's a huge thing, too, is, um, you know, when it comes to uh, the so-called truth community, People are their favorites based on personalities. Uh, you know, for example, someone looks similar to them, um, has the same kind of uh, um, outlook, music. I'm about the information. You know, if, if someone, for example, I'm, you know, I don't want to say uh, my appearance, but I'm just a clean cut guy, uh, no tattoos. But I don't give a damn if a guy has, uh, you know, for example, Jason, if you have long hair, if you got tattoos, if you have good information, you're okay with me. I, I don't, I don't, I don't give a damn about personalities. I care about the information. And if you have good information, you're going to be in, in, in a good position with me. Um, you know, and I don't, again, I don't care about, uh, you know, your personal preferences or, uh, you know, how you look like. Just have a good, solid uh, foundation of, look, we know we're being lied to um, in a grand scale. We're just trying to figure things out. When you have that foundation, I can work with anybody. Yeah, that's in part why, again, I, um, you know, keep my identity kind of private. It's not that I'm scared of anything or really too worried about it. But uh, from my perspective, the, the message is far more important than the messenger. Uh, and I don't want people to get caught caught up in that too much. Or, yeah. you know, again, I, I often say, you know, if you got to know me, you'd probably be in some ways disappointed. I'm just just a regular guy. I mean, I, you know, I'm interesting. I, I make funny jokes or bad jokes from time to time. You know, <laughs> I like to cook. I like to, you know, play music and do stuff. And so that part is cool. But I'm just a regular guy. I mean, you know, yeah. I got a job. But, you know, I got, I got a wife. I got all the same problems everybody does. I poop, you know, same stuff. Um, so, you know, don't get too worked up about, you know, who we are. It's the it's the information. Uh, we're yeah. all trying to we're all trying to find the truth. Right. And share with you what we come up with. And hopefully that's that's good stuff. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. It's not how someone look. like I said, some people say, oh, a Russia doesn't show his face. How can we trust him? Well, you, you could trust uh, Donald Trump, Obama, Hillary Clinton. They show their faces. <laughs> you, know, you know how they look like? Right. So I guess they're trustworthy then. So this ridiculous notion and these people that, that you know, that brag about showing their face, I mean, it, it, the reason I don't, I just like to keep my personal life away from what I do here online. I just like a separation. It doesn't mean when I go out and about, I don't talk about these things. 
I just don't like, uh, you know, people, you know, people are nosy. They want to know everything right. about you. And I've actually heard from many truthers say, you know what? They, they told me this behind the scenes. If I would have done things differently, I would have done what you done. Just, you know, go incognito and, and keep things personal. So people like to dig. And then, of yeah. course, they get your photo and they Photoshop you. They, they, pop, they put a pile of poop on your head and all this kind of stuff <laughs> online. And you show your face. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, you know, back, way back in the day, I did uh, I did radio early in my career on what seems like a lifetime ago. And, you know, always, um, you know, most radio personalities, you know, had a uh, what they called an air name, uh, because one of the things you learn is that um, the percentages are right that about four to five percent of people uh, are dangerously psychotic. That's a, I mean, probably higher now. Uh, but when you start doing the math and you realize, you know, what your air coverage is and the kind of amount of phone calls you get, or when you go out and do a live remote, that you know, if you're out and around a few thousand people, there, <laughs> there's a high preponderance, right? You can get 20, 30 people out there that are dangerously psychotic, and what I'm, I'm just like, you're the voice they hear in their head, right? or at least and do so, something really freaking stupid and say stupid things that. Yeah, they do. Well, they do all the time, and so you, you would get um, regular callers, right? And and they feel like they have um, a relationship with you, right? Because they've spent time with you, and so uh, like many people do with you know actors or whatever, um, they feel like they know that person, right? Because they know all about them. Uh, but they, yeah, they start behaving weird. They'll start to dox you and um, you know come to your house and uh, call you on the phone and stuff. Uh, again, I'm talking about the you know back in the day doing radio. Uh, so most people did you know have kind of a, a radio name uh, to keep some anonymity, right? So you could have a private life um it's yeah. kind of you know it's kind of a weird thing so um yeah again so at this point when i first started doing stuff on crow triple seven um especially due to the nature of it um I, again i'm not i don't take any extraordinary measures uh, you know the great baldini has been uh my professional kind of nickname for 25 years so those in the industry probably already know who i am um, and he even does but, children's uh, parties yeah, no that's another guy that's a that's a, a magician and not very good at it um I might add, I've, I've seen oh, some video. Uh, <laughs> but, and also uh, probably not quite as bald either. No, I, I, I suspect not. And uh, somebody did ask about that on my channel. Like, what does Baldini mean? So I'll cover that in my next episode. And there you know, is. But. Uh, yeah, I was going to say is, uh, you, you just had it there, Baldini, is, uh, you know, you get some obsessed people. Like, I had this one, one guy um, just like, like always messaging me, always inboxing me, and just like, Nonstop, and I just told him, I said, "Look, man, I said it's cool, but you, you can't be messaging me nonstop. You know, just driving the guy was driving me nuts, and he got really offended, got really upset, and he was just attacking me every which way possible, and calling me a shill, and just it really hurt, man. It's like I didn't mean to hurt the guy. Just I'm like, look, you know, I don't mind people messaging me or, or contacting me. It's excessive, just really over the top excessive, and that's what happened, and uh, he just got really ugly. So th again, this is. Another a reason, uh, you know, you don't want people knowing uh, who you are, where you live, and all this stuff, because there's a bunch of nut jobs out there, and unfortunately, there's some in, in the truth community as well that, and it's happened a million times too, uh, where here comes the knife in the back, you know, oh, you know, oh, Rushovich, you're the greatest, oh, I love you. Then next second, you know, they're, they're your enemy for whatever reason. And here's a big thing too, um, you can, for example, someone can follow you for years and years, and you say one thing that they don't agree with. Um, all of a sudden, you're a shill, yeah. uh, and they hate your, they hate you, they hate your balls, and uh, and, and now they're going on on every other truth channel talking bad about you. 
So, no. you know, that, or, you, or you're not into something that they aren't right. Like, oh, no, it's uh, you're, you're not. Oh, you're hiding the truth from people because you don't believe in in this thing. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, th- I feel really fortunate in that um, most of what I do is kind of preach to the choir. <laughs> right. So yeah. I'm less uh, re- less doing what RV does, which is expose new people to it and really kind of focused on those who have made this transition. And like, how, you know, how can they, uh, you know, kind of connect with other people and how to deal with those things once it's happened because it does usually have a profound effect on people uh, when, when they've uh, you know taken the red pill. Uh, so I feel yeah. fortunate in that most of the people that I interact with are some of the most amazing people I've met. And that's one of the things that motivated me to start the channel at all um, was these interactions with people who are some of the uh, most transparent, uh, most candid, uh, vulnerable people who really their heart is in the right place. We don't always see things the same way, uh, but we're all you know, they're, they're great people. So I just, again, shout out to everybody in the chat and everybody in this community is, um, they've been fa- fabulous and, and great to me. And, um, uh, so I really like, uh, you know, I, I really like the people. So, but I can see RV how when you get out there and, you know, you uh, ruffle the feathers, uh, there's going to be some birds who squawk. That's for sure. Yeah. That's what that's, I'll be honest. I'm going to be very blunt with, with, in my position where, you know, as people that question things, we get attacked. So when I make videos, you know, I'll, I'll call people, I'll call the, the masses like mindless zombies, you know, indoctrinated idiots. I'll, I'll kind of jab back at them because uh, that's what they love to do to us. They love to like, um, I always believe this. I, I treat people the way um, they treat me. You know, I'm like a mirror type of thing. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, what happens is, unfortunately, of course, I, <laughs> I have to expect it. Like a video I made talking about like, uh, you know, the people that are indoctrinated in the globe. I was so kind about it. So... People that are like Globers, um, they get wind of it and they just come to my channel and start attacking, attacking. So, you know, but like I said, I'm not, you know, I'm cool with people. Um, I'm friends with people. Some people that are Globers, you know, uh, like Jose G. Uh, J. Gonzalez runs a, uh, he's a baller. He's a baller. Yeah, I know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, we're cool. We're, you know, we're cool and, um, and everything's fine. But, you know, 99% of the people on his uh, chat, man, they're vicious. You know, they'll yeah. just uh, attack every flat earther. Thing is this, um, it wasn't like I was attacking uh, Globers, but, man, they're, like, relentlessly attacking. I'm not going to be hey. smart. I understand that. I understand that, RV. I, I mean, I do try to take a position of um, – because, I mean, from, from my position, I, I, I have a hard time with um, judging somebody because they have a different point of view. Um, I, I can uh, sometimes push back on people from their behavior. Right. I don't care what I don't care if we disagree about the way we see things or what you believe, but your behavior is telling. And I'll push back if you're a douche. Right? You act like a douche nozzle, you know, I'll squeeze you right in the river. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll paddle your canoe. I got no problem with that. Right. Um, but but it's all it's behavior. Right. You, you're going to uh, treat people with respect or uh, or we're going to show you the door. And I have very little patience for that. I often say, you know, I refuse to play chess with pigeons um, because I don't have a time for that. If you're going to just like, um, and you don't want to have a, a conversation, you want to talk, you're not interested in understanding. I mean, that's where I'm coming from. I'll gladly talk to somebody with different beliefs because I want to better understand it. I, I agree that we might um, look.
look at the same thing and experience it differently. And that doesn't mean that uh, my experience is really the same as yours. So I, I, I can't say that yours is not true. I just, I don't, you know, I didn't experience that. I don't see it that way. Uh, but I certainly don't dislike people because they have a different opinion. I try not to call people, um, you know, idiots or retards or, you know, sheeple. <laughs> um, even if, even if like there are some people, again, who their behavior, they're, they're intentionally ignorant. They won't look at information, yeah. right? Because it scares them or whatever. Um, okay. That, that's a behavior. And so, um, I don't, I don't consider that really ad hom to call, uh, you know, people's behavior out and say, Hey, you're being a numpty, right? I mean, that you just, that's what you're doing. Um, so I, I don't, it's not because I think you're stupid, um, because it really isn't about intelligence. I mean, waking up does seem to require at least amount uh, of intellectual capacity to understand the issues. Uh, but beyond that, it's not simply intelligence. It's not the smart people wake up and the dumb people don't. Um, but, but it is, um, those people who have like the Dunning Kruger thing going on, they, uh, they're, they're ready to climb out ignorant and defend to the death something that somebody else told them they got fifth hand. Like, well, that doesn't even make sense. Right? If you don't know it for certain, if you can't prove it, what are you doing? Right. Just say, I don't know. That's an, that's an appropriate answer. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I, again, I, I, I try not to, um, you know, throw a program at people, um, even when they throw it at me to start with, because I understand they can get frustrated and they're uh, defending their position. But man, again, I will push back on behavior, but not their, um, not their beliefs. But it's just yeah, not I hear my position. Saying, I, yeah. I heard you saying, um, over the years, having really large channels, you, you know, for example, to be very blunt, you might have, a, a, you know, 200 positive comments, but that one person uh, that's being persistent, you know, and then uh, it starts getting ugly and then slanderous. And so, yeah, it's just something uh, you, you deal with. You know, I just don't cover, of course, Flat Earth. You know, I've covered many topics, you know, Hollywood, cele uh, fake celebrity deaths and just so yeah, many. People, people uh, want course, to defend their heroes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and not only that, of course. Uh, the the event in Connecticut, uh, Boston, you know, 9/11, uh, Oklahoma City, all these events, and so, you know, there's there's certain people that are just gonna follow you around um, every single one of your channel. I had this one guy that was a uh, a follower of mine, a quote fan. I don't like to call people fans, but just a follower of mine. And then again, you say one thing that uh, they don't like, and, and that one thing just set them off, and now they hate you forever, type of thing. So. You know, you're dealing with personalities too, but and not to go into long about on this topic about uh, these type of things. But what it what it comes down to, yes, you got to be thick skinned too. But there's sometimes where people, uh, you know, go over the edge and go way too far and, and try to dox and, and this kind of nonsense, yeah. and it really takes away from the truth. Like you said, uh, it's 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 no fun when you know they they get your family involved, your family members that have nothing to do with this at all. So. Well, you know, not to deviate too far from the from the topic, just just my experience is doing this for a, a tremendous uh, amount of time for many, many years, well over a decade, going back to about 2008 on YouTube, just dealing with a lot of drama. Um, well, like I, I know what. I know I speak for a lot of people, RV. We, we really appreciate you, you know your uh, consistency and persistency uh, despite all the uh, pushback. I, I know you get. I mean, uh, how, how many times have you heard? But why would they lie? Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, here's the thing. Is, yeah, here's the big thing: is way, way back, um, even so-called truthers would, would, would write me off and attack me when I said people like Ron Paul back in 2012. Ron Paul, he's controlled op, and there's so many. Oh, there's there's like all these Ron Paul, Ron Paul revolution. He's gonna save us. I'm like, do you people understand anything? You know, to be part of the game, you you're part of the script. It's like being in a movie. You're not gonna have a role in it unless you're on the payroll. 
And, and I'm trying to explain this to people, and I would get attacked viciously by these Ron Paul uh, nuts. You know, uh, it's because they the want something. Is, they want something to believe in. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and the, the biggest line I would get, well, you know, uh, he's the better of two evils. This kind of nonsense. I said, look, you know, you guys, you guys, you guys call yourself truthers, and, and, and you're just, you know, you're you're straddling the fence. And also, too, a big thing with me was. I was calling um, basically all headline events fake. I was saying news is fake well before uh, Trump ever uh, you know, said those words. And literally it was, it was like hijacked. But what, what it comes down to, truthers were attacking me. Oh, Russia is, he has no credibility. He thinks everything's fake. He lives in a fake world. He thinks this shooting's fake. He thinks this bombing is fake. He thinks everything's fake. I said, no, dummies. It's not, it's not that everything's fake. It's what they spotlight, what they present on TV's sake. And again, these people, you know, years later, they come to figure out this is the case. They never yeah, you come are back, the, hey, You are the original. Of We're sorry. We attacked you for this. Like, for example, there was this one roundtable uh, back around 2012, 2013. I was never invited because they always claimed these shootings were, were real. Um, it, it was their, their discussion was, was it um, an organic shooter or was it, was it someone, you know, uh, in the government? It was never. It was never a hoax. It was always. It was a real event. And I said, "No, you guys are way off course." And again, that was really ridiculed um, way back. We're not to harp on it too long. Not only that, the, the fake celebrity deaths and, and these events. And so, what, what I'm getting at is this: they want to seem rational uh, and society to their friends, their peers. Look, uh, they, they fake the moon landing. 9/11 is uh, not worth told, but everything else is real. Where I would totally go against that, and that's that's the gist of where I ran into so many issues with so many people uh, back then that would so-called write me off because I would say these things. Yeah, but yeah, you know, as I said, as I said last time, RB, you know, you turn on a light in the darkness and you're bound to draw some bugs. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that line. I like that one. That's exactly. I was I was drawing bugs everywhere, man. It was crazy. I need bug spray. <laughs> Right, exactly. No, for for sure. I I totally get it. Um, and again, I feel fortunate for again, you got bring you know, you're like kind of like the the icebreaker, right? You get out there and uh, you know, get the snow out of the way, get the ice out of the way, so the rest of us can, uh, you know, can come in behind you. So again, I, I know I speak for a lot of people when we say, you know, big props, uh, RB. I, like I said last time, right? I, like you know, when I first started. Heard you, I thought, is this guy nuts or what? And then again, I started looking into what you were saying, like. Damn if it didn't. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing is though. Um, you know, I actually presented the evidence. People reject it. It's like it's like this. You get this. And I know everybody, I know Jason, you you dealt with it as well. You know, you might have a title in the video. Uh, and, and before people click on it, you know what they're thinking. They're already rejecting it and they're already have their preconceived notions set and they're just gonna go in there and, and, and comment without watching the whole video. And I see that so many times where people make comments and you know that you even bother to watch the video because I covered literally what they're complaining about. Um, I'm like, dude, if you know, this video is only like 12 minutes long. If it went to the eight minute mark, I said that here, but you know, it's like, like I said, people, again, they'll fight, uh, for, for their, their, their stance, their beliefs. And again, you know, once, uh, do not attack someone's core beliefs. That's like, you know, the worst thing you can do to some people, especially again, getting back to people, that are heavily indoctrinated, especially the older crowd. I don't want to pick on uh, the older people, but man, it's like the old saying goes. I hate to say it, it's hard to teach old dogs new tricks, and uh, that's why it's a huge. 
that's why you know they they say get them while they're young, and that's exactly what they've done with the uh, the schooling system. And of course, the public school system they put a complete stranglehold um, over that. And here's one thing I want to mention too. It reminds me of a video I covered years ago. Um, it was called Pixel, um, and the director was Christopher um, Columbus, just like the man that yeah, supposedly Columbus, discovered America. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, and in one scene, there was this little this little chubby kid, and he was talking about uh, some conspiracies. And there's a group of like five or six other kids, uh, like looking, like frowning at him, looking down at him, like you don't have any friends, do you? Because no, oh, I have my grandma's my friend. They made him look really sappy, pathetic that he's questioning things. And this is part of, of course, mind control. And it pisses me off to see um, they're, they're purposely going their way to really, uh, you know, push uh, have a pushback. Uh, for for independent free thinking, and uh, um, you know, let's move about pixels, uh, other topics, but definitely they're putting that programming in there not to question authority. So you guys want to wind this down? Well, We've gone we, half an hour past our time. Yeah, we time. did straight. <laughs> I'm we fine with that. A bit but <laughs> from uh, from artificial intelligence, um, but we just talked about some lack of intelligence. I think. <laughs> 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 sorry, sorry about that. I, I, I'm legendary for for derailing uh, things. So, uh, but uh, no, I mean, uh, I guess you know, here's here's my rap is that yeah, everything like RV says, you know, everything they're telling us is pretty much a lie. You got to look into it. You got to have um, the discipline uh, and and the time and the will to to look into it uh, for yourself. And um, th that's where I think you know, again, the the danger is even in even among the true communities, if you begin to um, you know quote follow a certain um, content creator uh, and, and just accept everything they, they say, right? I mean, they could be wrong and um, and you don't know for yourself unless you do the research yourself. So I just encourage everybody to, um, you know, don't, don't take my word for it. Don't take our word for it. Go go look it up for yourself. We can provide our perspectives and they might be well-educated. We might uh, do the research um, in advance, right, and show you what we found. Uh, but again, I would st uh, strongly recommend uh, go look for yourself because that's where you're going to that's where you're going to find the good stuff. And that's where you'll know for, for certain yourself uh, what, you know, what you can hold to. Yeah, I agree 100%. Also, definitely, again, I said it earlier, is, you know, personalities is personalities. But, you know, uh, when it comes to truth, it's about the information, what could be proven, uh, and not, not what's the most popular. Uh, you know, like I said before, um, you know, this this human this celebrity cloning was, was uh, extremely popular. This whole nonsense of oh, uh, Illuminati sacrifice of celebrities. And I said this before, you know, if, if they were actually um, doing these uh, sacrifices with celebrities, there would be a mass exodus out of Hollywood. It's ridiculous, and there's still people. <laughs> the word would this. get out. <laughs> it's all fantasy, you know. It's all fantasy, and and literally they're just you know they're just off on uh, you know off the world stage type of thing. And, and that's one thing I've like I said I do not let uh, um, people. Uh, uh, dictate my thoughts is what could be proven what makes the most sense and a lot of uh, uh, connections made like I said about Bill Clinton uh, why would he ha need a murder list you know it's, it's 50 long whatever if, if those don't count you know it's just we have to be consistent and, and think a little deeper and, and look a little bit further and here's a big thing too um, with everybody here in the panel uh, we might not agree on everything but we are searching we can come to new conclusions maybe something Jason says uh, today I don't agree with, but tomorrow I'll see, I'll look at it. I'll say, you know, he was right about that. So I'm always keeping on you, Jason. I'm just saying, and just using it as, as an example, anybody in truth, um, I don't like reject anything. I'm like, okay, he said that. I'm not sure if I agree with that. Let me look into it. So 
um, again, we're you know being a panel here is just good to hear everybody out. And, uh, and here's the huge thing, of course, no two people agree on everything. But again, the whole foundation of of you know uh, always keep an open mind and always being able to uh, come to new conclusions based on solid information. All right. Anybody else have any final words? Uh, I asked if I should play the cover of I'm the Slime that my friend Brett Dietz and I just did, and a couple people said yes. So I guess I'll, I'll treat everyone to another three minutes of me being a goofball. Uh, but the message is, is clear. Yeah. Do it. All right. Here we go. Let me turn off the mic so I don't double the audio. All right, so if anyone hadn't seen that, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, that was a little cover of Frank Zappa's I'm the Slime that my friend Brett Dietz came up with the idea to do, and we had a really good time doing it. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I think the message is clear. I'm the slime from the video <laughs> oozing <laughs> across the living room floor. That's about all your television's good for, folks. But anyway, what <laughs> you guys want to sign off with? 
And I just want to tell everybody, thanks for uh, tuning in and, you know, have a great evening. Uh, don't forget to uh, check out the uh, Crow 777 radio uh, show tomorrow. Uh, that'll be coming up uh, tomorrow. And, uh, you know, uh, people know where to reach me, alchemicaltechrevolution at gmail.com. Uh, check out my YouTube channel, Alchemical Tech Revolution. I've been posting more things there lately. And uh, I'll say goodnight for Baldini because he had to bow out. So he wishes everybody a, a wonderful evening as well. And RV, thanks for joining us again, my friend. It's been a pleasure having you here. Thanks, man. I appreciate that, man. And uh, keep up the great work, man. You know, you know your stuff. And everybody here in this panel does. And it's good to see. And also, uh, you know, my last thoughts is, you know, of course, this this controlled matrix we're living in, and uh, waking up people. So it's so very difficult at times. But you know, just keep keep plugging away. Um, the people that are are you know that are intended to get it, you know, they're gonna they're gonna be uh, of course hungry for truth, and they, they that's the that's the the foundation. You have to have that hunger for truth. If it's not in them, they're not gonna they're not gonna succeed. Uh, they're not gonna find that truth. They're not gonna be successful doing that. It's you got to have a passion for it. And a huge thing is um, a blinded uh, a blinded mind cannot see, hmm. and, and I'll leave it at that. Um, as far as and one last thing is is of course everything that's happening now um, we have to look forward. We're we're looking at right now, but we have to definitely look forward to what's going to come, and we have to adjust to uh, what's going to take place. And of course, um, always you know people should be well stocked, well supplied, and uh, and expect the unexpected. You know who knows what they have up their sleeve. Of what they're going to pull off next that's for damn sure you said it my friend <laughs> all right well tune in to crow triple seven radio tomorrow episode 229 with eileen mccusick and we'll be discussing biofield tuning and today we just recorded an episode with james troop where we discussed <clears throat> the uh temple of solomon the uh the links with uh, freemasonry and and all that symbolism we got into a whole lot of stuff james true good for us guys for this week thank you so much to all you amazing people for being here and have a great night
Oh, to see 